I'm Josh Van. And I'm Simone Darmini. The creators of The Spider King. And you're listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. Yeah, it's forceful. I was on the mark. Much better. Yes. Can you put that microphone next to your mouth, please, Mr. Jason? It's much better. Robusto. <laughs> Robusto. It's muy robusto. Robusto. Yeah, it feels like we just did this. We did. I know. Like, wait, what the what? Yeah. yeah See? Some people who were like, oh, their release schedule's all screwed up. No, listen to the beginning of the episode. <laughs> See the joy that we bring people just by doing it an extra time? I think we should do it every week. I'm just saying. As long as they are paying for it. Oh. <laughs> I love you. It's so wrong. I'll do it myself. Yeah, that'll, <laughs> nobody. That, that's going to, yeah, bye-bye press pass. Yeah, nobody will listen to it. You have a negative number for this month. How is this possible? <laughs> People are taking <laughs> away listens. <laughs> They're sending you emails full of the episode. Oh, oh well. Like a lot. Misunderstood genius, I guess. Who are you typing? I'm not typing. Oh, well, now we know who it was. He's rapping. And we know what this is. This is 11 O'Clock Comics, episode 477. Loud. Yeah, and I am Vince B. You are Vince B. It would have been 476, but we surprised you all this week, and I love it, and I'm David A. Price. Yes, you are, and I am the man with the plan from the 80s clan, Marcus Lopez. (laughs) You're not Mario Lopez. Not Mario, you clown. Marcus. Who's? Oh my god. The the ageless Sorry. Mario Lopez. Saved by the bell. Yes. I should have been Mario Lopez. That's yeah. Better. You could have been, but you're not Marcus Lopez. You're Jason Wood. Thank the heavens. And this episode of Eleven O'clock Comics is, as always, sponsored by Discount Comic Book Service. DCBService.com. The list of specials is up, and I have chosen three for your edification. First up is Valiant. It's Divinity number zero. Now, why did I pick this? Well, because it's an epic jumping on point leading Divinity through the whole of the Valiant universe. This looks like a four-issue miniseries, zero to three. It is written by Mr. Matt Kent, Art by Renato Guedes. Cover artist is Juan Jose Rip. Cover price is three ninety nine. Your price? Tell him, David. Uh, one ninety nine. Yes. Uh, it says here that divinity must bear witness to the world as it now stands, heroes, villains, gods, and all, to ensure the rightful order of the Valiant Universe, from Bloodshot to Faith to Ninjak and dozens of surprise guest stars, traverse the world of Valiant's most enduring icons as Divinity guides a standalone entry point into the most acclaimed publishing line in history. In Wow. The most acclaimed publishing line in comics today. That's awesome. Next up, from IDW... Donald and Mickey, number one. Written by Andrea Castellan and various art by Danielle Branca, Lorenzo Pastrovicchio. Yeah, Pastro 
And the cover art is, is Andrea Ferreco. And like this, not patrons. this thing is $5.99 cover price. It's a 48-page issue. They're all going to be exercised. Now, I've been telling you about IDW's Disney books. This is going to be more of the same goodness. Your price on this? $2.99. 50% off. And this man resides in nobody's shadow. From Image, it is Extremity Trade Paperback Volume 1 by Daniel Warren Johnson. Hotter than a firecracker. Collects Extremity Issues 1 to 6. Cover price? Sixteen ninety nine. See, they bucked the trend on this one. Usually, when they release uh, volume ones, they're always nine ninety nine. Not this one. Sixteen ninety nine cover price. But your price as a DCBS subscriber, eight dollars and forty nine cents. That's fifty percent off. DCBService.com. One more time. DCBService.com. Everything you need at the price you want to pay. Indeed. That's how it goes. What? I said that's how it goes. That is how it goes. Yeah. And uh, you know what else uh, goes? Whatever what? drank down your gullet. Oh. What you having? Diet Pepsi. Mm. That's hot. That's hot. Yeah. Yeah. What, what, what about you, Jason? It's a big night. Mm. Can't can't front. Can't bring the Diet Pepsi. Got to got to represent. Uh huh. He's so Mandarin orange seltzer. <laughs> no, uh-huh. he's, yes, he's so distracted because <laughs> it's like it, it's you know big night Sunday night, big night tonight. But yeah, not really. Uh, I am enjoying some old faithful Redwood Creek Cabernet Sauvignon. Nope, nice. That's no, dope. Has to. You bringing any of that stuff with you on our trip? Which, as Jason is going to tell us very soon, is a little more than a week away. When they're listening to this, it will likely be one week away. When they're listening to this, we will likely be a couple hours into our road trip. At least a couple hours. Well, not when they're listening to this. This is coming out tomorrow. We said in a week. In a week. The next episode. Right, right. That's going to be surreal. Because then we'll we'll be recording stuff that they're going to listen to. Or maybe not. Why? Because of the way you put episodes out, it may yeah. Be, you bang them out next week. You bang okay, them out faster than next week. We are recording Tuesday night to let everybody know. So the episode, based on Vince's schedule, may actually come out Wednesday. I could sit on it until Wednesday night. That you have yet to sit. You you sat on one episode. Yeah, because I was tired. So no, that doesn't happen. Either way, either way. yes. Yeah. Either. We got Heroes Con in one week's time. We mapped out our road trip today. We are going to see the sights. We're going to see the the largest leaning pencil in the world. I'm there. We're going to eat at the Pink Cadillac Diner. What's this dinosaur land? We're going to go to Dinosaur Land. What is that? If Jesus is riding you, one, you probably now is not the time. But you you <laughs> check out the the information that we sent you. Today. And I, I just want to know before we get into it: is it like shrubs? Or is it? I have like, no idea. I if it's I shrubs, I don't want to go. I don't want to yeah, see. I didn't investigate. I think it's more like a paper mache. Oh right, I'm there. Nice. I'll do like the fake ah, like scream, and you could take yes. my picture. 
Yes. For every oh, single one. We'll also do the one with you in the foreground of the pencil. It looks like you're holding up the pencil. Yes. Thing is, though, does your flip phone have a camera? <laughs> Where the hell did that oh, come use, from? You and you one of our phones. Oh, that's cool. I got an Android. It takes beautiful pictures. There's oh, sweet. Yeah, right to the edge. Sweet. <laughs> bitch. Depending on the case you're wearing. <laughs> Where's oh, so pretty. Where is this coming from? All this and hostility. You know, we could have just, since we gave them an episode on Sunday, we could have just phoned it in this week. This, this, we this, that's not how we do. That's we not, don't do that. We, no. we don't do it like that. So we got ourselves a guest. Yes, we do. And it's time to ring him up. Is it? Yes. And we are back with, as we, as we hinted on all the uh, social medias and other channels, for the last week or two, we have a guest, and it's a big one, uh, making a return to the fourth chair and the current reigning best writer in our year-end 11 O'Closker Awards, the man who has been, for the last few years, bringing us such amazing works as Black Science, Deadly Class, Low, Seven to Eternity, and Tokyo Ghost, among others, our friend and one of our favorite creators, Mr. Rick Remender. Welcome, you Rick. left out Telly Savalas' Joyride into Peppercorn Land. That's <laughs> my new book. We were going to break that later. <laughs> it's supposed to be our exclusive, but okay. I, I, yeah, I was. I thought I was. I thought we all had discussed that this is what I'm here to promote. I'm. <laughs> I'm going to bail, guys. I was, I was too busy trying to avoid the green M and M's. Peace and love. He's gone. Uh, he's gone. <laughs> I got a six-year-old in the room next door listening to Pokemon Go and Cho and Chip Chap and Rippity Dap. Nice. Um, okay, you good? Oh, I can hear that. Yes. Oh, God. I, I would give anything not to hear it. <laughs> of all the artless garbage I just prayed my kid wouldn't get get into, and then one day he's like, Pokemon. Oh, I'm like, it's great, inevitable. yeah. Go collect it's all the cards and... I guess sit with the cards. <laughs> Sounds fun. Oh boy! <laughs> I, I thought your old Gen X guy doesn't like Pokemon. True. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Yeah, but just think what it'll be do? what a year or two before they're they're uh, they're building out their own skate deck, right? I guess. Yeah. Well, he's uh, he's already skating at six. We've uh, got we've got a cool park nearby, so he, he goes out and has the fun. Nice. And look, yeah, uh, the one yeah, I recognized if if I want him to to uh, really love Pokemon, then I should tell him that I don't want him to love Pokemon. So I'm I, I try to be cool with it. When I go well, to do the signings and go to cons, I get packs of Pokemon. I go, hey, buddy, here you go. Later, he'll say, like, and my dad supported me being into this artless, unimaginative bullshit. <laughs> I'm, I'm scratching I off. collected the, them all. I'm scratching off the question where I say, tell us about the the happier, more uh, more jovial forty-something Rick Remender versus the the thirty-something. <laughs> <laughs> He's just worn down to a nub, man. <laughs> Nothing left. <laughs> well, welcome officially. Welcome back. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, for sure. So Thanks I'm going to start off because I'm sure you've heard a, a million questions a million times. So I'm going to throw one at you to get us off on the right foot. You ready? Oh, wow. All right. And it's okay. in honor of your big news from a few months ago, which we'll talk about more officially in Giant Generator. But it's a Giant Generator themed question. Okay. All right. Okay. The Giant Generator verse. They, uh, everybody magically ends up in uh, in 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 Bethany Black's 
Hood. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Keith Houston, Grant McKay, Marcus Lopez, Adam Ocetis, Led Dent, and Stel Kane are sitting around when the rapture comes. Who gets taken and who's left? Uh, (laughs) I mean, yeah, the rules of the rapture being what they are, you know, uh, Heath is left. He's, he's, he's the closest because he's, he's a man of faith, uh, or was, uh, but still, uh, well, you know what the rules he, he did at one point, even though he, I think Heath probably would because he was a good old Christian boy. Mm -hmm. Uh, Bethany, obviously not. Um, <clears throat> uh, Stel Kane from Low definitely would get taken up. Uh, Lead Dent for sure, for sure not. Uh, Marcus for sure, for sure not. Um, yeah, I think not for the rest of them. I think pretty much not. I don't write a All lot right. of a lot of a lot of God fearing uh, uh, folk. <laughs> One might say that's a theme in your books. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm not trying to, like, you know, I, I think it's cool if people actually, like, you know, dig the good parts of religion that make them be peaceful and kind and mm-hmm. and, and charitable and, and super cool to people of, of other ethnicities. That part's really cool. Um, it's just when they use it for all the stuff that they normally use it for, which is to hate other people of other <laughs> of other faiths and to... Uh, this is turning. Hey, let's turn it now. Turning into a deep theological conversation. <laughs> no, I don't. Even. God's cool, man. I think God's great. Nice. God's really cool. Well, I actually have a question that ties into that. Semi, a semi-serious question, and it mostly pertains to black science, because um, in terms of the forbidden knowledge that these characters are seeking, especially Grant, Grant McKay, where trying to, to peel the onion and get to that center, the original idea, yet along the way, these characters are continually slapped down. The ridiculous things happen to them. The, the pillar, they don't know when it's going to jump. They don't know where it's going to jump. They're trying to get somewhere. They never get where they're trying to get. Is there a construct behind the narrative that is put in place just to make life friggin' miserable for these characters. Like an intelligence that says, all right, you have a certain amount of intelligence you can attain, and then after that, you're done. You're not getting any farther. I think it, it, it's going to speak to where we land with what's at the center of the onion. What is the, what is the first dimension? What is the first thing that existed that then splintered out into the Eververse? Um, and I would uh, would be remiss if I were to go any any deeper there, because it plays into a lot of the stuff we're we're building into here, uh, leading up to the climax. Uh, but the uh, the idea uh, that there is a, uh, uh, a a hand guiding, or that there is something else afoot, uh, is is definitely something that comes into play. Nice. So you you just alluded to the fact that black science. Uh, and I'm, I'm holding back the tears here, is coming to its planned conclusion soon. So, well, I wouldn't say soon. I mean, we've got another 12 or 13 issues, I think, still. I, I like that perspective. I'll, 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 it's too soon for me. I'll, I'll choose soon because <laughs> it's still, it's still a year or so from now. But, but, uh, but that, you know, but that said, so, so, um, when you're wrapping up something like this, um, you know, because I don't know that it's fair to compare it to say, 
like Fear Agent, which was um, you know much longer from a time period standpoint, this has kind of been you know fairly consistent in, in meeting your schedule and all that. Like, do you have any? Um, maybe it's still too far away for this, but 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 have you sort of? I don't. Know, is there like a coping mechanism to deal with the fact that this is wrapping up, or just does it feel right, or do you ever sort of think to yourself like, maybe I should add a few issues? I don't know. I'm just curious if like there's a process there as you're wrapping up something like this. Yeah, I mean, you know, look, it's it's like it's it's on one hand you're exhausted. Uh, you know, I've been living in this outline and reworking it and hammering on the characters for, oh, I guess, four plus years now. You know, and that's a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a, a little, <clears throat> a little bit of time leading into that. So, you know, but it becomes home. And I realized, um, you know, as I was flushing out the remaining, uh, I'm I'm fully scripted up to issue 34, and then there's eight more issues. Um, that, that lead us into the conclusion, and you know it, it might go one longer than that or so. But you do have a sense of uh, uh, of, of, of of finality. There is this, uh, you know. I know I know that in in leaving behind characters that I've invested in, like Bethany Black and Heath Houston in the past, and, and characters that I've really dumped my uh, my, my my heart and soul into. Uh, that once they're gone and you're not writing them anymore, you, you, you miss them, you know, um, and you don't want any other character to be quite the same. So it's really a, a an aspect of you and, 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 uh, you know, a, a character you've, you've sprinkled bits of yourself in and bits of people, you know, and, and then they took on their own shape as you sort of develop their stories. Um, and you know, so you don't let yourself repeat any of that in other characters, but at the same time, you know that means that 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 that, that sort of a mad, that, that fictitious person that you have constructed is is gone to you, and and that that you know there there are moments where I realize like you know I, I had a a great idea for a, a strange girl story not too long ago, and I'm you know you go well yeah all right you know I'm gonna revisit that and probably just leave it alone, um, so. Leading into the end of, of of the black science, and again, you know, still got still got you know fourteen, fifteen, sixteen months of production ahead of us. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like it's like ending Fear Agent or or ending X Force or ending you know Strange Girl or any of the things that that I put a lot of time and, and, and effort into that then wrapped. You're you're relieved, but you're also uh, it's it's you know your life is 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 punctuated by uh, by those things. Those are chapters. Fear agent is a chapter of my life, you know, and so there is a, you know, there is there is a sadness that that goes along with it, but at the same time, I, I feel like if we stick the landing, um, you know, it's the kind of thing where people could sit down and and, and read the book and have a very satisfying um, beginning, middle, and an end, and with the, you know. The way comic books are, who knows? Maybe one day Mateo and I get a, a wild hair and, and, and come back to it. That would be awesome. So you have, you and Teo have been working on this for a long time, and I think, as you know, Teo is one of, one of my favorite uh, illustrators for sure. So since since you seemingly have you know put yourself in the position to work with partners on the illustrating side, uh, you know, on a repeated basis because you, you know, you value those, those relationships and that dynamic. I mean, do you know offhand if, if you're planning on working with Teo again, like relatively soon thereafter, or are you kind of going to go your step ways for a bit and then see if you come back with an idea? Yeah. I mean, who knows? I know that we have a couple things that we've talked about that get us very excited. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I also, I, it depends on the day you talk to me. Some days <laughs> I, I, 
I literally have sat down with a calendar to see when I could wrap up, you know, all the books and then, you know, go off in, into the sunset on a boat for, for a couple of years and just not look at a, a computer monitor. Um, and then some days I think about that and I, and I go, oh my God, I go crazy without making comics. You know, every day I have an idea or something to say, I can actually, I can actually throw that garbage into somebody's face in a comic book. <laughs> that's, that's a joy for me. It's like, here's a dumb idea I had, stupids. Um, you know, it, it, but it is, you know, all kidding aside, it is a, it is a cathartic privilege to be able to sit down and, and write things and, and see geniuses illustrate them and then, and then send them out into the world. Um, so, you know, again, it's like you get me on a day where, where it's like I'm on the end of a five week deadline, you know, grind and I'm burned out. That's, that's a very tricky, that's a very tricky proposition. Um, and then, uh, on other days I'm, I'm very happy and it, it, uh, you know, it, it, it's something where, uh, as we're planning the future, it, it, and I think Mateo oscillates a little bit as well. Where one minute we're we're talking about the next project, and then the next minute we're talking about taking taking a year off and and you know, just living life for a while. Sure. Well, so you, I mean, right now you're working on well, I, I don't know if you think you're working on. I guess I was going to say five books, but I guess Tokyo Ghost is somewhat. I guess wrapped up for now. You tell me if I'm wrong there, but but uh, is there a? I mean, there must be a rate limit, right? To how many? Like, I presume there are lots of ideas you have that you'd like to work on, but in in essence, some of these have to run their course before you have the. You just probably don't. Do you have the time to really layer anything more into your schedule at this point? Um. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm a uh, I'm a glutton for punishment. I've got a, a a project that I'm pretty deep into uh, that I haven't announced yet. Um, and another one on the docket, and then uh, you know uh, I'm just at, at a it's rarefied air. I'm in a position where a lot of really you know brilliant artists want to want to collaborate and, and make some comic books, and so it's uh, you know it's really just a matter of, of bandwidth. And right now I'm I'm you know I'm I'm stretched as as far as I can go. I'm 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 booked solid. I mean at this point I, I literally can't fit anything in the schedule for 13 or 14 months. I've had to turn down some really wonderful opportunities outside of comics as well, just because I've got I've got everything just scheduled to the day at this point. Um, and so what I'm doing now is just trying to force myself to not, um, you know, to not not completely overcommit myself. Um, and we'll see how it goes. <laughs> we'll yeah. see how that plan goes. But yeah, and it, you know, it's it's. It's it's like I it's like a cursing it's like a, a blessing and a curse you know mm-hmm. on one hand you can you have an idea and you're excited you can team up with uh, any number of of really you know brilliant artists and go make that so there's nothing stopping me at this point and then that's also the curse is that there's nothing stopping me and after so many years of of, of grinding it out and wanting to make comics not only can I make you know the kinds of comics I want with the people I want to make them with, but we all make money on it now. Um, that's that's a pretty wonderful that's a pretty wonderful mix. So mm-hmm. I think for, for me at this point, it's really just navigating this in a way where I have some longevity, and in, in five years, I haven't you know burned myself burned myself to the you know down to a nub. I mean, I'm I'm 44 now, and so I always look at it like uh, you know there's going to be a slowing eventually. Uh, <laughs> So if if um in the letters page uh, issue 
12 or 13 years. You, you mentioned that Mateo was in the States for conventions. You stopped by and you guys, and like you said, you know, you had up to like maybe issue 50 or so mapped out. So if, um, is it a, with, with any of your artists, is, is it a, uh, is it an agreement where if, if this is where the story is headed and it's going to end, it's where it ends. Or if, um, if you're done, like if you, uh, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm done with McKay. I'm done with everybody. But if Mateo says, okay, but what if, and I mean, are, with, with you having your schedule right now, I'm not saying you're rigid, but is if, if it makes sense, obviously if it works for both of you, great. But if, 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 how hard does he have to sell you on something if you wanted to keep the story going? If, if Mateo were to want to do more, um, yeah. or I any mean, of your, you know, if it, or even Wes, any of your creators, your co-creators. Yeah. I mean, you know, like with, with black science in particular, it's, it's, um, you know, I've got an outline and it, and it goes up to around, around 42 and it's, mm-hmm. it's very, it's very tight. Um, you know, if he were to say he wanted to do another trades worth of like four issues or something, you know, I, I could take the middle of that and definitely uh, expand it and tell a story in, inside one of these places that we're going to be heading to. Um, and, and, you know, so it, 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 it has the room. And I think that when we did that initial outline, it did look more like, you know, 45 issues or 48 issues. And I always try to trim the fat. I, I don't want to, you know, I don't want it to be too much of a shotgun blast where it's just plot. And I, I definitely like to find time to, to linger with the characters and, and, and slow down. Um, but I feel like because somebody of Mateo's caliber or the, any of these artists that I'm working with are going to spend so much time that it, it, it's my responsibility to to go through and make sure there's no fat left on the bone. And that it, also for the comics fans, you know, it's four dollars an issue. By the time you go through that ritualistic habit, you know, you go to your comic book store, you pick out the five or six books you can afford for that week, and you get home uh, and sit down with it, you know, I, I want to make sure that it's it's um, it's worth the time and energy that, that, that has been invested. And so that comes down to trying to make sure that you're streamlining your outlines and that there's not issues where you have, you know, I mean, I think a lot of the time people can mistake nothing happening for issues that don't matter. I think that plot wise, as long as you're doing good character development, that those are, that those are also important issues. But I think that even with that, you want to make sure that you, you know very specifically what it is you're establishing, why you're establishing it and and then how that pays off down the road. And so as I trimmed down the outline, I think it landed at like 42, 43 Mm -hmm. issues. Um, Anyway, the long and the short of it is, it's like, you know, um, it, 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 it's always in flux. I mean, there is, uh, there's, you know, we're working on a, on a black science TV show and that's also taken a lot of my time. It's, it's possible that if, if there's a world where, you know, that, that actually were to happen and we got a series order, uh, I think that Mateo and I would, would probably pick it back up and we've definitely left a, a, there's a thread at the ending that I could pull on and, and tell more stories with down the road if we got there. Mm. Okay. So, so your idea of the trimming of the fat, I mean, if if I'm not mistaken, you you work, I guess, what a lot of our listeners would think of as as a modern Marvel method, right? And that you, at least with Black Science, and like you you send Teo scripts, and then he draws them, and then you get the pages back, and then you sort of you kind of like sometimes rework the dialogue or tighten up the dialogue, right? Based on on the imagery, is that do I have that right? 
yeah, my method is uh, I write an outline, sometimes five, sometimes ten, sometimes mm-hmm. fifteen issues out. I have a, a greater uh, uh, base outline, but then I do a tighter outline with you know bullet points, and 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 then I break that down into pages, um, and then I script that, and then um, you know I'll, I'll I, I I'm in close contact with all the artists, uh, and and we'll we'll talk, and. Uh, chat up the story and, and chat up their thoughts on, on various aspects of the story. And, and, uh, and then I go in and do polish and, and rewrite based on that and then give them an art script that has rough dialogue. And then um, once, that's, once that's off to them and it's drawn, I rewrite the dialogue once I have the pages back. I rewrite the dialogue three to five times. To the to the chagrin of Russ Wooten, who, who shakes the <laughs> sky. Um, and, but he's you know, but thank God for Russ. I think Russ is my secret weapon, and the reason that my books are are, uh, you know, every rewrite makes a book better. And uh, Russ enables me to you know, and with the notes I get from Sebastian, and his thoughts, and and you know, I can I can sort of see from another person's perspective what's working, what's not, and then each time I rewrite it, I see new mistakes or I see new possibilities. And I really think that Russ's uh, patience and his talent, for one, he's, he's, he's just a wonderful letterer and an artist in his own right. I think that his patience in allowing me to rewrite the dialogue, sometimes as many as seven or eight drafts, is, is uh, what enables me to, to make the books the, the best I'm capable of creating. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. So that, um, that actually ties into one of our questions a uh, question from one of our listeners where uh, Rory Walker asked if you draw your own scripts um sketches layouts whatever and and pass that on to the artist so that's that was an excellent look into your uh, process no i mean i i uh, the, nobody wants that i do you know i i <laughs> as a storyboard artist i i add in you know i, I see shots and sometimes yeah. i'll say you know like this is a, a three-quarter bird's eye establishing this with long cast shadows and i always will make sure everyone i know or everyone i work with knows that that it really is just suggestions because a lot of the time when you're laying out if if somebody gives you the shot that can be really helpful. It's it's sort of go you, if you, if it clicks and you go oh yeah that's the right move for the shot, then I, I might have just saved somebody five ten minutes of sort of agonizing and redrawing a panel, and uh, and, and conversely and you know I say that if you don't like it or if it doesn't work, that you're by no means am I holding your hand. You know I give these things as, as, as suggestions and I'm not trying to step in. You know the joy of of a lot of uh, comic book pages and drawing is seeing that translation come to life as you're doing your layouts and thinking about the, the sort of cinematic approach and the angle and the acting and the silhouette of the characters and these things. So I don't, wanna, I don't ever want anybody to feel like I'm detracting from their, their participation in, the, in that end of the collaborative effort, which then speaks to if things get tweaked or changed a little bit from the script, that's why I go back and rewrite it so many times afterwards because then I'm able to look at what they've drawn and a facial expression might have you know, a slightly different uh, uh, connotation. It might be something where you're looking at uh, what was supposed to be one emotion, but because of, a, you know, a millimeter on an eyebrow or, or how the, mm, the mouth right. scowls, that you're, you're, the emotion that's being read is, is a little different. And so I'll sometimes reconsider how I, how I deliver a line based on how that art comes out. And that's, that's the perfect collaborative method, I think, where you, you really marry the two aspects of the, of the, you know, of the job. 
Nice. And that probably happens more often than not, uh, if I'm guessing with, with Lowe and Tokini, right? Because he's, he's Portuguese, right? Is that right? So. Uh, he speaks Portuguese, yeah. So he's, yeah. he's in Brazil and doesn't speak English. Um, but I think, you know, wh- whoever's translating his scripts for him does a great job. Mm-hmm. Greg, there's never, ever, I mean, like the first time I worked with Greg, going almost 10 years ago now when we started working together on Last Days of American Crime, right? it was, uh, it was uh, I, 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 I emailed him and I said, you, you know, never work with anyone else. Please stay. <laughs> <laughs> Let's keep doing this. And he, you know, he fortunately was very happy with our, our collaboration as well. His storytelling is just, it's perfect. Everything. He's, he's too good for comics. When I see, you know, uh, uh, you know, awards in the industry and whatnot ignore people like him or Jerome. You just go like, hey, you're not hurting them, you're hurting yourself. Like, these guys are, are on a level that's, that's you know, uh, uh, hard to obtain for, for most most artists in any field, much less comics, which I, I truly believe is, I think it's it's the hardest art form because not only do you have to be a great storyteller, but you have to be a great cinematographer and actor and designer. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, you have to you know you have to be able to to embellish and 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 finalize these illustrations that you've now storyboarded. Um, right. so, so and be collaborative and in most to, cases, right? And, what's that? I said and be collaborative in most cases, unless you're you're doing the sure. Whole thing, I mean, so. yeah, yeah. And, and and then on top of that, you have to do one of those pages every day at least, you know, and mm-hmm. and. <laughs> Um, so, you know, I think that, uh, uh, with, with, with Greg, it's interesting because sometimes, um, the language barrier will create things where I'll ask for one thing and he'll design something and it, it's, it's, uh, it, it, or, or he'll just throw some designs at me and then I'll incorporate them into the story. Um, and I think that, so our, we, we never talk on the phone and we very, very seldomly even email. So Greg is, <laughs> Uh, uh, I've met him once. We did a signing in Chicago a few years ago, and 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 he's he's just he's just a sweet, warm guy. Uh, the language barrier makes that an interesting relationship. Where, <laughs> um, but the marriage always comes out to be something that is you know a high water mark of anything that that I ever have any hope of being associated with. I think oh, our okay. collaborations are, are, are just when I, when I get those issues back, I'm always I'm always very very excited. I'm lucky to work with him. His art is so good it makes me weep. <laughs> his women are incredible. Yeah. Yeah. His worlds, I mean, his, his, his tech, his crime stuff is everything. I mean, Greg is, you know, he's, he's one of a kind. Yeah. I have a couple of volumes, uh, custom bound volumes on my shelf that are titled Rick Remender Horror. And inside, it's the stuff you would expect. It's, it's Sea of Red and Strange Girl and Triple X Zombies and Sorrow. I consider, because those are the, the works I first was introduced to you, though I consider you a horror writer. But there's a whole bunch of people out there that consider you a superhero writer or a science fiction writer. And I think right. in your case, you're one of the few creators out there where labels don't stick very well. Because because you spread the genres around, you you you, you try different things, and you you, you cross pollinate with genres. Do you think the fact that you are not the horror guy or the superhero guy to the majority of, of readers, you think that has uh, has that been a detriment or a blessing to your career? Uh, I you know I I I I, uh, I, I don't know I um. You know, I started doing horror comic books 
uh, the two books that I was doing, uh, uh, the first thing I did was an absurdist humor comic book called Captain Dingleberry. Mm-hmm. And then the next two books I did was, one was a sort of absurdist humor tank girl style book called Blackheart Billy. Yeah. And the other was a, a horror book called Doll and Creature that I was doing those from 98, 99, 2000. And they both came out in 2001 uh, in, in collection. Um, and while I was doing that, I realized that, that you know I really enjoyed Doll and Creature and that there wasn't any horror comic book. Uh, there, there weren't any horror comic books coming out. And I wanted to, to you know, kind of dig into on that stuff. And unfortunately, I was at a point in my career in the industry where there was nobody to fund me or help me make make that move. Um, and eventually, I, I convinced Kieran to put pen to paper and uh, sell Good Sam to come in, and we did uh, Sea of Red, which was a, a vampire tale. And at the same time, I, uh, Kieran and I started doing Nightmare, which was a, a horror book we did at IDW, and I was... Uh, um, I guess I was just, uh, you know, if I'm honest, now that I'm thinking about it, I was just, uh, you know, um, um, resentful that I had started doing horror books five years ago. And in the middle of that, there had been sort of a resurgence and and, uh, Steve Niles and Kirkman had both had a lot of success. And uh, I was, uh, uh, you know, uh, a big fan of, of... of what the potential for horror had in comic books, um, because you could still pace it and handle it in the same way you would in a book, where you could do all the wonderful Stephen King stuff, but you also had the the, the additional uh, plus of illustrations and page turns and whatnot. And so I had developed just, a, a, between 2000 and 2004, I developed um, Sorrow, which Francesco Francavilla ended up doing with me, I developed Sea of Red, I developed Nightmare, I developed, anyway, a shitload of horror books. Um, <clears throat> and then I, uh, uh, you know, then I started developing The End League, which was a superhero thing, and Last Days of American Crime, which was a crime thing, and Fear Agent, which was a sci-fi thing, and Strange Girl, which, you know, strange magic theology stuff. So um, maybe it was, uh, you know, I'm, just can't I, I just can't figure out if it has been a detriment my career took a long time to take off that might have been you know in terms of a wider recognition so maybe that's because i wasn't um doing one genre i was i was jumping all over and i i you know i swam in the same pop culture cesspool that that we all did and i grew up in the 70s and 80s and what, what? You know, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah we're the same age though <laughs> uh, Anyway, I'm, I'm going on and on, but the, the, the long and the short of it is, is that you know I never had just one genre that 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 I loved. I was you know four or five years old when Star Wars came out, and I loved that. And um, you know I lo- I loved just sitting around watching the Munsters and the Adams Family, and then that let, let you know when, by the time I was ten, I was you know uh, reading Stephen King novels and, and and fell in love with horror, and that led me into a lot of you know EC comic books and stuff like that. Um, so. Having loved all those different genres uh, and all, all this different stuff, that's sort of what kind of spewed out of me when I started developing works. Um, and so, I don't know. It keeps me it keeps me entertained, and I get to scratch all those different itches. So I, I don't know if it's if it's been a been a been a, a hindrance. Well, um, I mean, I think think of it another way. Um, you know, like you said, I, I think when uh, when you put out the presser for Giant Generator. You made the point that it's 20 years you've been making comics now, which uh, makes us all feel old, I guess, because it's probably it's been like that means it's been like 30 that I've been reading comics. But um, <laughs> but you know, so 20 years, you know, doing something a profession. Um, you know, I think the first time you came on the show, 
you were just sort of like fear agent was wrapping up and, you know, and then, and then I think the most recent time you, you know, you were, you were, you kind of jumping in full force into this. I'm going to go back and do all the creator owned stuff and really focus on that. And I guess from, from our vantage, it's been a, a smashing success seemingly in that the books are all well received. They're all fantastic books. They're well written. Hopefully they're doing well commercially. Um, you know, like, is it time or have you, have you had a moment that sort of take, take stock in that, the perspective? Cause you seem very self-aware in terms of like your own journey. And it does strike me as a fan of your work for a long time that, um, you know, the, the, the market has finally gotten to a point, you know, these last few years where it's allowed you to be the creator. I think you always aspired to be right. I mean, and, and I guess the question is, do you think that's, I would hope the answer is that's here to stay. Do you, do you have seen a reason why it wouldn't be? Oh, I can't speak to market trends, mm-hmm. um, you know, but I can say that somehow I got into comic books to do what I'm doing right now, mm-hmm. and it was a long road to get here, yeah. and I paid a lot of dues, for sure. Um, and, and, you know, I was also trying to do it, you know, 15 years before the market wanted it, yeah. um, as were a lot of people, you know, a lot of the... the the, the folks in my generation, you know, um, we had to stick around for a while and bang it out and, and take random jobs and do what we could do to survive until this, this, I think, you know, uh, pop culture kind of caught up. Um, and I'm very, uh, uh, you know, uh, it sounds, it sounds so fraudulent, you know, like I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful for all this success. <laughs> Uh, you know, isn't it great? Everything's so great for me. I'm so successful. And I'm so grateful. Oh, the fans. You know, like, sh- fuck you. But <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I genuinely am because this is 20 years later where when, yeah. I, when I wrote the Giant Generator intro and I was getting that stuff together, that was the first time it kind of struck me like, hey, you know, I know you're tired and, and uh, you know, you're 20 pounds overweight and you're, you're, you're grumpy and, you know, but check it out. You know, check it out. This is this is what you wanted to do. You're, you're making your own line of books, you know, and 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 it's not a grind. It, it's yeah. financially rewarding. And um, I also didn't know that when I, I I had all these different books, and there was plenty of you know advice I had from various people that said I was doing too many books and too many different genres, and creator own could only sustain you know one maybe two books from somebody. And I was like, man, eh, you know, fuck fuck it, we'll see. <laughs> I That's the punk kidding you right there. Yeah, man, fuck you. I'll show you. But uh, I chased it down, and they're all not only you know they're they're uh, it's that thing where you 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 know you hear you hear it's like almost I call it's almost like a Trumpism where somebody sort of like self-aggrandizes by talking about their success, and it's really gross. But um, (laughs) the books I I have an entire line of books that are all not only self-sustaining but making us a, a, a tidy bit of money. Um, where everyone involved is doing quite well and, and we're able to keep them going. And, you know, um, they're all in various stages of development and, you know, all, with deadly classes almost. Uh, better knock on wood. You know, I'll just flick my dick instead. Um, <laughs> various stages of, of, of development for, for television and film. And it's, it's, it's wonderful. And it's not, I, I sleep at night now. I'm not compromised. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I didn't. I, I I have definitely been compromised, but I'm not compromised now. And if I can keep that up, um, you know, that is that's rarefied air, and I I am I am genuinely to my core really grateful for it. 
That's awesome. So I just we've mentioned it a few times. I should not presume that our, our listeners know exactly what I what I mean when I bring up Giant Generator. That's I mean I, I guess you could explain it, but it's 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 a company that you formed essentially. It's a I don't know if it's a an LLC or a brand, but essentially a holding place to to encapsulate all of your IP and your brands with you and your partners, right? I mean that's essentially what it is. Yeah. Yeah, and it and it's um and it, yeah it just it had become I've developed and, and you know uh, co-created so many of these things it was becoming unwieldy and and I've got and once the TV stuff started happening and, and the various other projects that were coming up it was necessary to to start you know writing checks that weren't just in my name and to have a, a you know a company built and so um, that's the the giant generator is a studio dedicated to yeah i mean just making you know the the very very best comic books we can with passion and um you know uh, uh, a studio that uh, all of my books are co-owned by the artists we split everything down the middle if they want to uh, fuck me on a deal they can <laughs> you know like uh you know the, there's never you know it's that eternal argument that comic nerds have you know or at least at least the ones that live in my head where, you know, if Steve Ditko didn't want a Spider-Man movie made, should there be a Spider-Man movie? Um, if Steve Ditko didn't want Spider-Man to go on without him after he left, should it? Well, you know, given the laws and that he was worked for hire and he created all that stuff with a, with a partner back then, but he should still have a say. He should still be involved in, in shepherding the character and what happens. And, and uh, for too many decades in comic books, uh, you know, the artists weren't. And so... Um, in terms of doing new books with people, I always kind of you know ease in because it's not only am I looking for a great artist and somebody who's inspired and awesome, but I'm looking for somebody who can you know who I like as a human being and, and mm-hmm. understands what it is I'm trying to do and and has a, a, a DIY punk rock background and, and gets that you know the, we're trying to think progressively in terms of everybody's involved in 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 ownership of everything uh, uh, that we're creating and we'll we'll uh, you know. Help, help make decisions and have a say and um and benefit from it financially and i think that you know that brings out all of our best work uh you know it's it's very co-op in that way that we all everybody you know owns a stake in in what they're creating and so they want it to come out on time they want it to be their best work they want to you know make sure that that uh, it's promoted and and uh and it's a joy you know i mean just talking to jerome Pena a couple weeks ago and uh, we were both just, you know, buzzing about some Seven to Eternity stuff that we're talking about, and I realized I don't think we had quite done that since Fear Agent. You know, mm. um, we definitely had a lot of fun at Marvel, but but uh, there's also, you know, a lot of anxiety and and stress and compromise and other things you're dealing with there, um, and so we're sort of back. And Seven to Eternity is just this thing we wanted to do, and if people like it, that's great. High five! And, and it turns out a lot of them do. And if somebody doesn't like it, you know, with any of these books, that's the joy of it. These books are what I wanted to make, how I wanted to make them, with the people I wanted to make them with. And so when people don't like it, I genuinely don't give a fuck. I don't <laughs> give any fuck. I <laughs> nice. just go, cool, nice. man, that's cool. That's not your flavor of ice cream. You yeah. know what? Off, off you go to find what is. Uh, it's when the thing, it's when the product isn't necessarily, you know, true to your intention and wasn't, you know, the the blood sweat and tears and and born from your heart that then people would have a comment and you're like you know the worst criticisms were always the ones you agree with you know like yep yeah that sucks <laughs> yep uh, yeah. so we're not we're not suffering from any of that mm-hmm. 
Go ahead, David. You, you, you mentioned Seven to Eternity and Jerome, and one of us, I won't name names, uh, was worried when the solicit for number seven came out and uh, Jerome's name wasn't there. However, the extremely talented James Heron's name was. Uh, how did what usually obviously with, you know, black science or deadly class, if, if you, if Wes or Mateo need to take a break, you guys pause for a couple months till everybody comes back. Um, why, why the change with, with seven to eternity with, um, with having, I, I don't want to call him a fill-in artist, but having someone else step in. No, I mean, it's, it's fine. Yeah. I mean, it's like, um, we did take the the break be- in, right. in Seven to Eternity between issues four and five. Yes. Um, Jerome is a high level lunatic who <laughs> will get lost. I mean, like there's pages in issue six in that swamp uh, that I think we have to do an artist edition just to show Bro. them. At mm. Let's, by do it. Let's do it. Mm-hmm. Let's do it. I mean, there are panels in there where I look at that and I go, "God damn it, they don't appreciate you." You know, like what is this? There's seven layers of insanity in the swamp. <laughs> Uh, he just he just digs in and he's the best. Um, but what happened was is because of some of that, things started to slow down, and we we both had some some family stuff to deal with, mm. and so it's much easier for me to generate script, obviously, than it is for him to draw the world's greatest comic book pages. <laughs> um, and so uh, at a certain point, we were like, look, you know, the books are either going to like go off the rails for a while and ship very late. Or we bring in somebody, you know, a high-level genius who's also amazing, and the story works perfectly for these two issues, um, for 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 James to come in, and um, it had a new character for James and I to kind of work on together and and, and develop, and it 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 uh, so it worked out, and so we decided. I said, you know, I'll, I'll see if James is available because we'd been talking about working together, and and James was available and he was interested. And so um, it enables us to keep the book coming out. Um, Jerome will be back for issue nine. So the second trade will be uh, six, uh, or I'm sorry, uh, five through nine. And the first two are Jerome, and then the next two are James, and then the last mm-hmm. one is Jerome. And, uh, and it works. But the reality of it is that if we had not shipped the book this early in the books, uh, uh, you know, in, in, in the infancy stage, the retailers have no choice but to drastically cut your orders. Sure. Um, now that's just the brass tacks, ugly, you know, uh, p- pragmatic business end of it. The, the other side of it is, um, if I didn't believe in James Heron as a genius, who I was incredibly excited to work with, I would never, you know, for his sake and mine, plug him in, you know, uh, surrounded by by Jerome's work. James is so good that it was also not any way a compromise. Other, you know, and and it fits the story no because. The story at the end of six diverges into two stories, and then mm-hmm. James is ta- is tackling one of those stories, and then when we get back to Jerome in issue nine, he's tackling the other. Um, so that was that was sort of how that all came together. And if we hadn't have had somebody of James's caliber, I, I wouldn't have done it. I would have just said, "Fine, we're just going to let the book go off the rails schedule wise, and and we're going to ship it when we ship it." You know. But so it's, it's we got very very lucky that this enables us to kind of have our cake and eat it. I've I've never been. Um pretty much i i'm bummed that rumble is on a hiatus but the fact that uh, i'm going to see james on a book like seven to eternity makes me happy so i'm 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 glad that the uh the opportunity came up for everybody does this mean that um if uh if jerome needs a break again uh that 
uh, you're not going to be able to tell the future, but it, are, are you just trying to keep this with, with James and Jerome, or if another artist comes up that, uh, that, that may be able to fit the story? You know, that's something that we were just on the phone trying to figure out today. Um, it's, it's uh, you know, trying to, that's the hardest part, I think, about navigating and running your own company with this stuff, is kind of mm. figuring that stuff out and keeping it satisfying. Um, you want to you keep it satisfying for the fans, you want to keep it satisfying for yourself. You want to keep the quality as high as possible. Right. But there's the, like I said, there's that, you know, there's that pragmatic, you know, appraisal of the business side of it, which is, you know, as a former retailer, you know, if you get into a position where your book is just, is just months late, you are going to lose readers. People will just say, well, I'm going to switch trade if this ever does come out, or they'll forget the story. And if that happens in and around issues seven, eight, nine, ten. That'll really do some damage is, is sort of, you know, what we've seen uh, as sort of one of the rules of the industry. So moving forward right now, the options uh, are that we're either going to take a longer break um, and, and, and it'll be all Jerome or we'll find uh, another another super scientist, maybe uh, maybe an Eric Canetti or someone of his ilk. Oh, don't tease. I know I got. He, he's on my list of people to call and be like, "Come on, dude!" Uh, but you know, if we do it, it's going to be a high level, a high level uh, scientific genius to come in and, and and help us do a couple few issues. Mm-hmm. And and if not, then there'll be a bigger break. So you you guys tell me, help me make the decision. Do you want to do you want a longer break between arcs and all Jerome, or if we're pulling in James Herons and Eric Canetti's every once in a while to keep the book shipping regularly? Is that yeah? No, I'm good. I'm good with that. Yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. good with that. Only because again, like you said, the people you're talking about. Uh, the people you're talking about are are impeccable in their own rights, and yeah, they're monsters. So I think exactly, it's it's not uh, this is not big no two fill in, or I got to keep two, you know, I got to keep putting out two two issues a, a month, so I'm going to have alternating artists. This is carefully curated, same mind space, same level of of, of genius type of stuff. So I don't think anyone's going to push back on right. that. And and I was the one that was worried. About <laughs> thank you for owning that. Thing. Yeah, when when you establish a vision as as strong as what Jerome has done with Seven to Eternity, the, 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 obviously the visual aspect of it, it's it, it breaks the illusion when someone else comes in. Mm-hmm. But if, like you said, if you have a powerhouse like James Heron doing it, I thought about it for a little while, and I'm okay with yeah, it. Yeah, 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 I'm alright. Well, you know, it's, I, I get that. Once, once the once that vision sort of skews into another filter, um, but where we go with James is is a, is a different thing entirely. Yeah. And, so, I mean, um, it, yeah, and and also gives you know, like uh, you know. I think it's the kind of thing though that I think it's a two or three page adjustment period where you're like, right. okay, this is this is somebody else. Okay, this is oh, that's pretty fucking cool. Yeah. Oh my god, look at that. You know, and yeah, then you're, I, and then you're off into this yeah. new it's version of, of I, I think it depends. New right? translation of it. I mean, like you said, it's not there. There is no. It totally depends. I mean, because at this point, I, I would be. I don't know. It would feel karmically weird to have like a fill in issue or arc. On Black Science, other than Teo, like at this point, right? It just feels like okay, well, yeah, you guys have done this but, all to get like this is you and Teo got to finish this out. If, if you I got Richard yeah. Corbin, it'd be no, okay. Thing, no, no, but, no, no, but, I, no, not not even Richard Corbin. For me, what? I'm saying, yeah, no, 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 no for me, for me, at this point, even if if I know Teo had arms, like if if something happened where you just couldn't do the book with Teo, couldn't do the book for six months, I would rather personally, again, putting aside you'd have to all decide your business side of it. I'd personally rather wait six months to a year to have you all finish it out because 
again, we're, we're, we're on the home stretch here and it's been, when it's finished at this point, it will be right. one work well, between the, the lot of you and that's incredible. Yes. But it was but, like a fear agent where by issue, you know, say, by issue precisely. four, you have Jerome helping out yeah, exactly. and then Jerome does six and then Francesco comes in exactly. and does an issue and then, yep. uh, yeah. I, I think that, that, and that, and the fear agent method, I sort of was like, you know, I was like, oh, we're back. This is what we have to do. This is, yeah. you know, I have to, I have to think fear agent style where it's like, uh, we have to keep a book coming out. Uh, I don't want these guys to feel rushed or not being able to do their regular A-level, you know, uh, uh, work. So we're just going to bring in some other A-level folks to come in and also, you know, do some amazing work on it. And then, because I know as a reader, you want both. You want the reg- You want a regular chapter. If the, if my favorite TV show didn't come out every five or six weeks, I'd be like, I don't remember this. I give up. And it was, you know, so as a reader, you want the thing shipping regularly, but you also want consistency. And so with somebody like, you know, with Wes or, or Mateo, those dudes are not only high level geniuses, they are also fast as, as fucking, uh, I don't even know what the, what, what analogy you could make for a fast drawing machine. They're a fast drawing machine of fastness and, and quality, you know? And so they are, they are, they are very unique in that. Um, and and uh, you know with somebody like Jerome who he'll he'll get lost in the meticulous you know uh, establishing shots that are just you know they're for the ages they will be looked back upon and people will study them they're, totally they're that good yep. yep and and it's not that Wes or Mateo isn't but I think that you know just the, the 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 approach they take or Greg some issues Greg will be done in four weeks some issues Greg will be done in three months. Um, and Greg will get lost in, you know, beehive country and craziness. And you're just like, but then what comes back is just this high level, you know, I, I keep throwing around the word genius, but I don't care. That's not hyperbole. These dudes are, these dudes are geniuses. Um, and so it's just, it, it, and that's my job as the business guy and with things is to navigate shipping schedules and how we're mm-hmm. going to keep these things coming out regularly and how we're going to break the arcs up and, and how this is all going to come together in a way where we can have the artistic integrity, do what we want, and still keep a comic book yeah. healthy. And, you know, we, we've been very, very fortunate hence far. Listen, i got to be honest. It's almost stupid how, how, how good all of your artist partners are. Yeah. Like, it's like, yeah. because there's no missteps. And yet, you know, um, as, uh, like, for, as we've talked about, Opeña is so detailed and, and, you know, we've poured over his, his his pages and his pencils and I mean his pencils are, are I think the tightest in, in the world I, I mean his you know uh, they're just they're pretty much finished in and of themselves they don't need ink um, yep. Yep. you know I haven't I haven't seen Greg I don't even know if does Greg work traditionally I don't I've never seen any Gregs he's off and on some of it's traditional like issue sixteen was a lot of painted pages okay. uh, if you look in there you can see the ink washes yeah and then some pages he'll 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 go back and he's just working he's he's working on a Cintiq and it's all digital. Yeah, um, but it's very seldomly can you tell the difference between mm-hmm. the two in any sort of you know large way. Yeah, but the 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 guy that I think astounds me uh, maybe more than all of them, and this is coming from someone who uh, who who worships at the altar of, of of Teo is Wes because you know like he is so different than the rest of these guys in that I think his genius is the is is the the restraint that he shows. His pages are so graphical, you know, they, 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 they are, they tell such amazing stories, but, but they, they, it's almost as though he has such an economy of, I'm going to tell the most badass story I can by figuring out absolutely the minimum number of lines I need to put on the page. And I think that in of itself is, is incredibly difficult to do. 
Um, sure, it's I, very, he's very Toth, very Mazzucchelli. Yeah, but it's you know, just he's, he's of that He's of that ilk. Um, right. Then I also see Adrian Tomai in there and, and the optic nerve, sure, slice sure. of life stuff. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And no, Wes is Wes is a phenom. I mean, his 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 expressions, his characters, like nobody understands how incredibly fucking hard it is to draw that many different teenagers and have them all definitive. When you're drawing the X-Men, it's like, that guy's metal and he's got arms right. with lines. This yeah. guy's got a mask with big pointies and he's yellow. Yep. The, the, the differentiating those characters is, is pretty easy. Mm-hmm. But taking a, a, a high school full of kids in the 80s and making it authentic yeah. and making them identifiable and the way if you if you go back and and look at deadly class which is the thing that I spend most of my time studying when I'm dialoguing is the acting and the expression that West comes up with the subtlety of ex, of expressions and how each character is so clearly that character. Marcus is so clearly Marcus's face never drifts into Quan's face, never drifts into Willie's face. Yeah. You know, Saya, Maria, uh, Petra, all of the all of these characters, they all have such distinct mm-hmm. brandy versus I mean, he's you know, I'm 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 ruined when 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 those pages come in cuz I just sit there, you know, uh poor pour over them for hours going like oh how the hell you son of a bitch how did oh you... i know yeah my my, my wallet shit just to do. hit whenever uh paolo posts that there's new pages up from uh, from wes on cadence i'm like oh there we go because i just thought the pages are so distinctive and they tell such a story i mean without any dialogue on them you know because obviously yeah, modern yeah, yeah. modern art pages don't have the dialogue and then but wes's pages it honestly no 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 offense to you i mean you're writing the stories no but I, no I, I i think his you could just put out a you could put out a version without any dialogue, and, and I think West would it would be an awesome story. Yeah, you uh, would still totally know what happened, yeah, and that yeah. is the hallmark of of what we're supposed to do as comic artists, yeah. or you know, or what I used to do when I was still drawing pages, and now I'm a writer. Whatever, whatever I tell people, I am. But yes, <laughs> that is that he he is he is perfect at the things that matter most, and the economy of line and the uh, 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 the storytelling is is you know. Exceptional. Yeah, I see um, Opeña and Tocchini and um, uh, Matteo's work. It's very symphonic in a way because there's a lot of parts contributing to the whole. But Wes's work is like rock and roll. Two minutes, fifty nine, three chords, boom. He just like rips your face off. It's like street level to me. It's mm-hmm. it, it's yeah. it's power. Where I'm not saying it's that a, Jerome's yeah, work yeah, isn't sure. powerful, but there's a there's a primal. Well, Jerome's aspect. throwing everything. Jer- right. I have to yell at Jerome and go, just use some blacks, just put them in shadow. <laughs> like he want, he's so he's so meticulous. He's and you know Greg will do it a lot too. And you know uh, Mateo finds his vocabulary where he has a shorthand where he can still do. I don't know how he does it. I don't know. Mateo's a whole different creature. Still I don't very know what detailed. That guy's yeah, he's I don't super even know how it works. Spotting lots of black. He's, he uses gauche. He's he, he's a man of all of all of all. Yeah, and so I'm sitting here trying to define him, and I'm like, yeah, and he does. He can do 30 pages in a month of the, of just you know. So yeah. Leaving Mateo the mutant out of the equation, um, <laughs> you know, what Jerome will do is very much, you know, get 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 he, so incredibly meticulous, and he's such a perfectionist with every little nuance of the faces. Um, and I think that 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 you know, ultimately, when you contrast that against uh, Wes's slightly thicker lines and uh, and his his delving more into the 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 brushier uh, Masakelli and Toth. Uh, approach 
that it is more it's it's more iconic it is definitely more more you know like you said a little more rock and roll yeah it fits the story perfectly too if 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 um absolutely if, that's the thing right you right exactly if mateo was on deadly class okay it would be pretty damn great but it would not no. achieve the level yeah, of, no, I, of of yeah. wes i think you're exactly right and again maybe it's our mind filling it in but you're totally right like if we had to switch up i with each of your partners, I, I I can't imagine them doing one of the other books in, in the sense that I'm sure it would be great in its own way, but it would be just a completely different thing. Yeah, no, it, it, Black Science would not be as fast paced as 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 kinetic and and there's just something Mateo does with Black Science that it it I finish an issue, I got to read the next, and and I was I, I still am I'm, I'm a few issues behind, but I, I've just I've been catching up and. It is such a a crazy, hectic pace to go from from one layer of the onion to the next, and then you slow down a little bit to read Deadly Class, and I can't. It really does. I cannot imagine um, any other artist really working on any. Of your other books, Rick, it is just for whatever reason. I don't know how. Well, that probably speaks to the fact that that you know we we co-create and collaborate, and that there's as much of the artist in there as there is of me, if not more. And you know that that there's so much of of who they are in those books that you know that maybe maybe these books shouldn't be entirely you know uh, swappable. I could put you know like Farrell if if Wes were ever like I'm done and I still had Deadly Class. I would try to convince him to let me bring in Feral Dalrymple. Ooh, I'm with cover, it. Nice. I'm uh, with it. Okay. I, was, okay. I think uh, not that yeah. it would be the same thing. Not that these people are replaceable. There's a couple of options, you know, where it's like I know, I know, uh, yeah. uh, you know. There's a couple uh, for each one of the books, but it's still, you know, like you said when you talk about the vision changing, it was one of the reasons I didn't keep Tokyo Ghost going when when Sean uh, uh, was done. Is I had this other ten issue right? story. Yeah, you had. I was going to say, I thought that. Yeah. Yeah, I had a lot. I mean, I still got it, and you know, maybe, maybe I'll do it. But I just was like, Sean is like, he's like any of these guys. He is just, you know, he's he's a phenom at the top of his game. And it's like, if it w- it would be one thing if Sean was going to come in and you know c- go back and forth with somebody, but just to change the entire book into a new artist, I just felt like that that just betrayed something. So I couldn't make myself do it. Yeah. And we make a point to spend some time with uh, Mateo whenever he's at a convention we're attending. Oh, yeah. And the the dude is like a beautifully filthy beast. Whenever you go up to him, his yeah. hands are covered with ink. He's oh, got it on his he, forehead. He lives and, in the art. He is amazing. And <laughs> he, that time he spilled the whole thing. Up yeah, he didn't even care. Yeah. He's like, oh, I can no. use that, you know. And he just keeps scumbling the brush. And it was just yeah. an amazing experience. Yeah, and he's also, I mean, I got very lucky in that, that you know, we've become very good friends and, He's also hilarious, and he's also, you know, like like a lovely human being who, oh, I, sure. who I, you know, I, I I love to I love to hang out with and work with. He's uh, he's a, I consider him a good friend. I, you know, as I do all these guys, you know, it's just you you end up spending so many time so much time working together and, and living in this this little imaginary world that you're filling in uh, together. That you know, if if you don't. And there's been instances where, you know, I've worked with people that are very, very talented, but we have different sensibilities and different opinions, and <laughs> we never, we don't click. And you can see it, I think you can see it in the work. I think it, com- it becomes sort of a, a, a production line thing at that point. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
What Hold on the... for one second, guys. Okay. I have, a, I have, a, I have a, a boy who... What's up, buddy? You're hungry. Well, guess what? I'll <laughs> yeah. go upstairs and, and find something and stick it in your face. <laughs> Shout out. Nice. Shout out to food in your face. Yeah. Rock and roll. <laughs> so, the uh, before we move on from Deadly Class, uh, I feel like it's always awkward to ask you guys about uh, like TV and movie deals because it's inevitably the answer is, ah, oh, it's doing well, but I can't talk about it because it's not official. So we'll ask, but if that's the answer, so be it. Like, but it seems like sure. Deadly Class is the furthest along, though. Yes, Deadly Class. Um, the uh, screen, the, the teleplay is done. Uh, there's a lot of good buzz around it. Uh, I'm very proud of what we did. I'm, I'm working with um, a, a pal of mine, uh, Miles Feldsot, who um, was a very, very, very talented screenwriter, and uh, we've been we worked on it for two years, <laughs> two years on the pilot. Mm-hmm. So, uh, with the help of the Russo brothers and, and the, uh, the, the the team at Sony, uh, we have uh, ground that thing. And, and our wonderful showrunner Adam Targum, who we've all just killed ourselves to try to make this happen. And so now it is at the very top of the network. It was picked up by a network. But I can't tell you what network. Nice. Then, well, congrats uh, either way. Thank you. And as I understand, it is now at the very top levels of that network. Uh, waiting approval for the pilot because it's going to be expensive. <laughs> oh yeah, so we'll see if we'll see if we get uh, get 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 that going. But it's very much the first three issues of the comic. It's very true to the characters. Oh, nice. um, everyone just you know worked tirelessly to pull out what was already there and to further develop what existed and to improve upon instead of sort of willy nilly change, which. That's always my least favorite thing when I mm-hmm. see an adaptation. You know, you're like, oh, I love this book. I'm, they're going to turn it into a TV show. And then you watch a show and you're like, God damn, a lot of people got in here and fucked this story up really badly. <laughs> um, I don't, I don't, if we, if we, if we live in, in the even furtherly filtered, rarefied, wonderful air of, of getting this thing in, in, on, on the air, uh, I think the good news is it'll it'll be very very true to the source material. Oh God, I'm so excited! I hope it I hope it works out. Mm. Um, and Vince well, is always know, willing to play Shabnan. I used to be I, I used to be such a <laughs> such a pessimistic and negative person. I would say like, well, it's not gonna. But I'm trying to work on like my stell optimism and be like, no, if I believe it enough, the fact <laughs> that we've got this far with it. So fingers crossed. So bring Marcus back, and uh, yeah. I guess. Our, our, our listeners know spoiler warning. So, um, we, I think we were all, so we could, we, right. you know, I, we, we, we don't always, I mean, our show is sort of, we'll talk about a 1940s comic strip. We'll talk about, you know, something from 82 and then we'll talk about something that just came out that day. So we, we don't really have a plan there, but I know every now and then there's a book that comes out and we like have to talk about it the second it comes out. And, and that issue, we, we all said, listen, let's all make sure we read it. Cause holy shit. Um, was, you know, I, I'm presuming that was always the plan. Um, but I have to say, like, before you brought him back, I was like, I thought it was, what I thought was going to happen is we were going to, you basically wiped out the freshman class and we were going to get a whole new class. And I thought, no, that's ballsy. Like, that is some, that is some shit right there. And then to your credit, like, on the surface of that, telling me, if you had told me then, oh, well, Heat Marcus is coming back, I would have thought, fuck that. But you got me, because I, by the end of the issue, I'm like, oh, that's badass. All right, nice. 
So I guess well, was I, the, I always knew that if we were going to do it, it had to have that. That was you know Maria was never dead. Mm-hmm. That was always that was always a misdirect, and 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 her death was very 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 soap opera, poisoned yeah. and knocked yeah. out. If anybody thought she was really dead, it was like, come on, have you have you are you uninitiated into the ways of fiction? <laughs> yeah, right, right. I, uh, uh, so the uh, the plan was then to also get you know uh, uh, Marcus uh, to die with everyone else who died at the uh, in, in at the uh, with all the other rats who died during the freshman finals mm-hmm. and um I knew that it couldn't just be like and then Marcus popped back up and got revenge on somebody or popped back up and so um as I was as I was working all that the first outline had the 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 joy of it was that Maria was the real surprise and that people were still kind of at that point I knew I'd I'd have kept Marcus dead for four issues or so and so I thought there might still be a lot more people that were like oh he's coming back but then the Maria thing would be the big Shazam and mm-hmm. so you would it, it's all about finding ways to surprise people uh, while still giving them an emotional experience that feels true to your universe um, and and I and all of that. Uh, fit, but at one point in around issue twenty four, um, I changed my mind, and I was okay. like, "No, right. this is bullshit. Mm-hmm. Marcus can't come back. That is a punk ass. This is soap opera." And then I go, "Yeah, but soap opera was the point of that idea. It's okay. There's there's Twin Peaks garbage soap opera stuff you like from that first season." I go, "Yeah, yeah, 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 yeah." And I, I argue, um, and so I walked in. I was working with Miles on the screenplay, and I walked in and I, I said to him, "I go." Uh, I called Wes and, and you know he agreed and I called Sebastian and he agreed and then I went and talked to Miles and I'm like Marcus is staying dead I, I'm blowing up my outline I'm starting over and he was like no dude no his story's not even you didn't finish his story the Reagan the the this the that he never got his arc and he goes he goes you can't and I go but that's life life doesn't care where you're at when the truck hits you. You're like, no, but I haven't got, I didn't apologize to my father. You know, like, punk, the truck just kills you. That's life. And uh, we argued and argued, and uh, it came down to having uh, a, bit of, a bit of hope and light in a, in a fairly dour world, and that Marcus had uh, the journey that he had traveled had earned him uh, uh, something more than the downward spiral that we had watched him go through in the first 21 issues. And so I went back to my original outline, and I'm glad I did because um, you know the book feels very much more like the book with with him and Maria in it. If it was just Maria by herself, that dynamic would change. Uh, and what I had ha- what I had started to play with was was you know quite different than than what it is now. And then uh, uh, you know I think what happens is when we outline so far in advance, sometimes it's not fresh to our minds anymore. I have to have Mateo on a black science. I, I wrote eight issues in a row, and he was getting into the seventh issue, and I was like, this sucks. I hate it. we got to start over. And he goes, dude, no, it's great. It's great. Shut up. It's perfectly good. I go, no, I'm going to take a week and rewrite this. And he goes, dude, it's not that it's not bad. You're just, you've, you've known about it for a year. It's just old. You've just had chances to think of other, you know, and he, he was right, you know, the decisions. So it's hard to know when you, when you need to, like, rethink and rewrite. And it's and it's you know, it's it all comes down to sort of a gut a gut instinct. And when Miles was chatting me up about that, ultimately I hit a point where I'm like, just on a satisfaction level, I do want to see the story I have planned for Marcus. I don't want to see it just ended in the middle, even though that is 
far more legitimate towards the you know how 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 life actually works um i'd already figured out my you know comic book cheat for how he you know <laughs> he survived and and looked it up online and it's totally feasible and fine <laughs> um and so that was sort of the that's the long-winded history of how that all came together okay now which i appreciate because uh we read the issue the Wednesday it came out absolutely floored uh great to see him back and and we figured kind of guessed as to how and why and and obviously with the issue um twenty twenty eight um it's explained a little better I'm sorry it's explained more thoroughly but um because i am i I was catching up on black science uh part of me was wondering. Um, if it almost felt like as if you may have been going back to the well because you kind of did the same thing with Grant and I yeah oh I did it with Heath too I go back to that well all the fucking time I, I live in that well <laughs> it's a okay. deep well <laughs> it is, no it is and I was just because I was like it, well, it's not right. even a deep well it's a, it's a it's 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 Every writer has a vocabulary of things that they'll do, and I and you sometimes it's conscious, sometimes it's subconscious. But in terms of the sort of you know the in terms of the storytelling and the way these things come together in a uh, episodic uh, 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 you know sequential comic book that is shipping every so often, um, there is a there is a component of that that is soap opera. And, um, you know, be that a twin or, or be that a, 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 a dead person comes back or be that amnesia, uh, those things are, if they're done right, are exciting. I mean, if you look at Game of Thrones, that shit's just a soap opera. For That's sure, what it for is. Sure. Oh, yeah. That shit's just a soap opera. And then there's like, but there's armies and there's a zombie and oh shit, it's a dragon, <laughs> you know. But, but we all like that. And as long as there's human characters that we're rooting for and care about, um, I think that the problem that that uh, uh, I can I can run into sometimes is to subvert expectations so much that I go against what is a satisfying story. You know, it, it, humans like certain narratives, and if you try to reinvent that wheel too much, you can you can do some very Lynchian, crazy, super you know uh, uh, interesting stuff. Um, but that's not as satisfying uh, a lot of the time. And, uh, you know, so I try to find that middle ground between, you know, the kid who grew up, you know, enthralled with David Lynch films and the kid who mm-hmm. grew up enthralled with Chris Claremont X-Men comics. I think and, you, and um... that's in, you know, the fake out death. Sometimes it's not a fake out death. It's also like I look at the tapestry of my work and people reading it. Sometimes I kill people and they kill them. Sometimes <laughs> I kill true. them and I don't. Yeah, and, so, and it's. I look it, forward to you killing Shabnam, okay? Can we make that happen? <laughs> just, but if, even if. So even if that is, if, if if a fan of your work reads it, reads enough of it, obviously, and and it, they they come to realize, well, that's your thing. Okay, well, I just I can't wait for Rick to bring this character back. I think the three of us can pretty much confirm that. But it may be something you do in a lot of your work, but when it happens, uh, it's I, I don't I'm I'm so caught up in the moment with the stories you're telling and 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 with the way they look. Um, it it. It still packs a punch for me. I never, I, I, I don't go along, read it, and go, all right, I'll just wait for this character to come back again. So, uh, kudos for that. I appreciate the fact that I'm and just. And sometimes they don't come back. You know, like, I, I again, I don't do it every single time. And, sure. and 
uh, I've done it a couple a couple times where they all fake out death. It's just kind of it's satisfying if done right. If you care about the character, I got more mail from Deadly Class Twenty Six because we had legitimately oh, bet, tricked yeah. everyone. Yeah, for everybody, sure. and, and Trump had just been elected. So my Twitter <laughs> feed has pissed. my Twitter feed hasn't exploded like that since the end of X Force, since <laughs> yeah. since the end of the Dark Phoenix or the uh, uh, the Dark Angel saga. Mm-hmm. That that I just opened up Twitter one day and it was just like still moving. Well, that's not true. That happened when there was a fire Rick Remender campaign because I was I, I snuck in all of my my secret statutory rape love and, and Captain America. Damn, oh, and I would have gone away with it if it weren't for those kids. I forgot a lot um, of that. Oh god. Yeah, that was fun. But but the, the, the Twitter, this day my Twitter feed uh, was positive, and and there weren't people uh, associating my name with statutory rape and superhero comic books. Uh, <laughs> fucking fucking stupid, stupid, stupid yeah, industry. Um, <laughs> but I think that there was something about the satisfying uh, uh, how that was. It, 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 the satisfying nature of that comeback that people Trump had just been elected. Everybody felt like they had their, you know, been kicked in the, uh, in the, in the, and, uh, and they were, you know, the story that had been dour and a bit, you know, downbeat for so long, finally hitting that up and having that bit of hope. I think that it was the right decision in that it countered the dourness so much and people who have been, you know, uh, so, so gracious as to follow us down this road, were given something, and, and again, which was the initial intention when I did the outline years ago, um, and which is why it was, uh, you know, those things are satisfying, and that was ultimately a lot of what Miles and I discussed, is sure. sometimes in the story, you can subvert expectations and do the thing that nobody expects you to do, and do the do the hardcore thing, like, well, I just killed off all the cast. I killed off a lot of the cast, and... Um, and then I, I, I tricked you with a couple of characters, and I think you that, you, that you if you were sad... Yeah, and if the return of Marcus and Maria, and by the end when they're kissing in front of that burning house, <laughs> put a smile on your face, you know sometimes it's okay to go a little yes. to go a little no bit more into the traditional as long as it is a satisfying uh, you know conclusion and you care about the characters. So oh. I have a meta concept for well, you. Before we move on, I want to ask oh, him something. Go ahead. Oh, um, my bad, go ahead. Yeah, <laughs> hey, we, we mentioned uh, Twin Peaks. Are you digging season yep. three? Oh yeah, because I had re- recently rewatched season two and I remembered how fucking terrible it was. <laughs> like, I love it, and like, but you know, when Lynch comes back for the final episode and Wyndham Earl and all those guys go into the Black Lodge, mm-hmm. the problem was Lynch came back at the very end to give you something as good as the initial. Um, but boy, season two after Leland dies, and even a lot of the stuff leading up to that. Whew. So um, it's a little. I'm rough. glad that it, it feels like Fire Walk with Me, the movie min- mixed with Mulholland Drive. Uh, and then, and then sprinkled with some of the the, the stuff that we saw in, in season one, but it, it fortunately doesn't have any of the lingering aftertaste of season two. <laughs> season, I love it. Season two is my favorite, but anyway. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> of course <laughs> it is. Dude, we're not going to come on. Anymore. Season two is not your favorite. Oh, it seriously no, it's not is. The Smurf Vince's odd taste, but yeah. <laughs> where's Josie Cooper? Like the Bob is so terrifying, and then all of a sudden they turn him into this like. Where's Josie? She's in the doorknob. She's the doorknob. I don't care about Josie, Bob. Bob shouldn't be involved in the Josie storyline. Don't get me started on season two. (laughs) Mm. Hot button issues. Well, (laughs) what I was going to ask is, so you have, uh, you've made no bones about the fact that, uh, you know, you, you share parts of yourself 
you know, whether you call it catharsis or sort of venting or just living in the moment, you know, you, but you share aspects of your life and your past and your history and your work, um, you know, sometimes more overtly than not. And I was thinking, do you think, or do you think because you acknowledge that, because I'm sure lots of writers do, but some maybe don't acknowledge it, do you think because you acknowledge that, readers are more apt to think they're seeing it than they otherwise would be? Hmm. I don't know. That would be a shame. Maybe I shouldn't, you know, maybe I shouldn't be talking about any of this stuff. And, and No, see, I know, think that's one of the reasons. To dispel the illusion that people bring to the art. And, and, yeah. and the, more I, the more I fill in the blanks, the less of their own imagination and thoughts are sort of incorporated. No, I, um, yeah, I didn't mean to imply that. I meant the, I, I find, the, I find your, your, your candor in that regard to be one of the alluring things about some of your stories. And, but again, I guess I, the reason I asked is because, um, in, in black science and I, I, I'm pretty sure it's been a while, but I think it's the God world arc. Um, so I guess the third arc, right? That was God world, if I'm not mistaken. Um, uh, the fourth. Yeah. Okay. Okay. A fourth. Sorry. Um, where, where, you know, Grant's kind of going through his journey, trying, fighting with his memories and that sort of thing. And, um, and, 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 you know, there, there's like, you know, he's, he's wrestling with his, his childhood and, and, you know, he had a fucked up mother and a, obviously his father ended up committing suicide. And, um, and, you know, there's this moment where, uh, little Grant comes home from school sick and his mom is, is stepping out with another dude. And like, she gets in his ear and says, you know, something to the effect of like, the Oonga going to get you, you know, little boy gets little boys who don't keep secrets. And that just hit me like a ton of bricks, and you know. And again, it's not like it, in the sense that like I thought, like man, like I don't know if like this is in any way analogous to Rick's childhood, but just again, real talk, uh, it was analogous to mine though. So I was like, holy shit! I'm like, you know, that like that. There are moments like that in a comic where like, and it was personal to me, you know, because it yeah. was sort of evocative of my childhood. And no, no, I have no idea if it was evocative of your childhood, but. But then I thought, like, wow, like, w- like those moments are so powerful, and I wonder if, you know, if if I was a writer, if there was any part of because you do acknowledge it again, not saying that moment, but you do acknowledge that there are things in your books that that are evocative of your life as sort of dealing with issues. Like, are they harder to write when it's closer to home? Are they cathartic? Are they like hard at the moment, but then cathartic after? Does it depend on what you're what you're remembering? I mean, I'm just curious about that. Well, it depends on, uh, and for one, speaking to that, that's um, that story is entirely uh, is entirely a fiction. Um, you know, I had I had definitely a, 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 a very dysfunctional and problematic household growing up. Uh, from, uh, uh, but my mom was the, she was more Stel Kane, you know, she cool. was more okay. hope and optimism and ho- holding it nice. all together while dad dad was. Uh, 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 doing what Dad did. Sure. Um, sure. <clears throat> so that that that's interesting, and but I do know, and I have, uh, and I have talked to people who've had you know stories where Mom was the nightmare and things were like that. Um, and so that that came from just trying to dig through who Grant is and why yeah. he was the way he was, and he was ultimately somebody who was trying to uh, in, ensure his fear of abandonment that his mother had instilled in him. Mm-hmm. He he knew he was no good from her. He knew he would be abandoned by anybody, and so he went out and he he made sure that that happened. Um, what was interesting is after that came out, people saying you know what a piece of shit Grant is and nobody really picked up on that you know that was the part where you see that this guy's damage was handed to him 
and now he's trying to fix it. But a lot right. of the time, people in life they get their damage, and they have to go through a cycle of, of, of you know perpetuating it and reliving it and, and and seeking that chaos and that damage before they can break through. And it's very easy to like villainize them. I always find people who villainize Grant, and they'll come up to me, oh, "Man, I love him, but I hate him. What a dick!" And I'm like, "Really? <laughs> like I just, I, yeah, he, you know, he's definitely uh, you know infidelity and and spent too much time at work, but I don't know, he's a dick." Uh, but I think that, that, you know, you just look for those, those connective, you know, right, right. tissues that, that will uh, more fully inform like why a character is away that make mm -hmm. that, that are, you know, and that was based on a lot of my Al-Anon stuff and, and all these various things and therapy and stuff that I was reading about, about aspects of that too. Yeah. So, um, but in terms of, uh, if it's cathartic, when I write about stuff that is um, from from my life, there is uh, um, um, uh, some stuff that I did in Venom that was written to my dad that uh, was cathartic. Mm -hmm. um, there there is um, um, uh, an issue where uh, Flash uh, Flash's dad writes him a letter, uh, and uh, another one where after his his dad has passed, the last issue I did with Declan uh, actually. That that are that are a lot of there's a lot of real shit in there, mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. and I find it cathartic, and I also find it shocked the shit out of people reading a Venom comic. <laughs> <laughs> I got more people like, dude, I didn't expect Venom, you know, like that's a that was heavy. This is a Venom. I just thought he was eating a brain or some shit. <laughs> um, and I was like, yeah, you know, it was what I was working on that week. So there it goes. <laughs> that's where it went. Um, and so it is cathartic, and it's also like it's like journal entries that exist. I also try and mix it with enough fiction that I'm right. hidden. Uh, you know, people. There's a lot of people that you know. I, I, it really frustrates me that assume because I'm saying that there is some truth. There is some truth, and there are some true stories, and there is some some of me in these characters. That every character is me, and then people can choose that. You know, well, this character's opinion is awful. You're an awful person. Oh, I go, I, that's not me, stupid. That's the fucking character. Um, but then you recognize, well, maybe those lines have been blurred on my end by saying that there is some true-to-life stuff in here, by saying in, in, the, in terms of deadly class, there's a lot of, of stuff that is real. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of various scenes that some you would probably never even guess that were, that were things that I, that I lived through or witnessed, and, and there's a lot of aspects of these different characters that come out of my journals. So if somebody were to read that and to, and to you know, take issue with it, maybe it's easy to say that, you know, well... Recommender's thoughtless, or this is this and this, but um, you know the thing you can't you can't you know forget is that it is fiction, and all the characters have little bits and pieces of oneself. But a lot of the time, you're writing a character bible, and you're forcing yourself to imagine what this person is like and how they think and how they feel. I have a very very uh, uh, tense exchange between Brandy and Zenzel in issue 29 of Deadly Class. Uh, that's that's very racially charged. And it's based on, I grew up in Phoenix, and I, I right. you know, lived in a small town, and for my freshman year of high school, my best friend was Willie, uh, and there were some terrible racists. And so I realized that I was afraid to write Brandy as the, as the character that I actually kind of based her on, because of fear that people would go, well, is this Remender saying this? And you're oh, like, right. But that's so stupid, I can't do that. And if it makes me afraid, that means I have to try it. That's what I always assume is if I'm fearful of this, that's a 
that's a spotlight that I should do it. Uh, and that that's something, at least interesting writing is going to come out of it. And I, I can't be afraid of, of people's, you know, misunderstanding of fiction. And so as I was writing it, you know, there's two, two, uh, you know, drastically different opinions as these two are having this out. Um, and you just have to hope that people are smart enough to know that like, in in that case, n- n- nor neither of the characters are me. I've had to write who the characters are and and what their their opinions and 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 what their inner life is like, and now I try to uh, imagine their perspective on this very you know complicated topic. Um, but I, I still don't think you know it's interesting as we discuss this. I wonder, I still don't think that that people separate the fiction and the in the you know every single character from the writer, and maybe they pick and choose who they imagine that you're... you're well, that, that's also the nature of fiction, right? Is, is that we're all, yeah. we all pull, Or the nature of any art, right? We're, we all pull our own experiences and, and, and our, own, our own perspectives inform our interpretation of that work, right? Vin, I mean, Vince, you're, I don't want to take your words, but Vince, you've often said that so art is... I, I don't want to paraphrase because you always... But you have a perspective on that, that like art, like you create the art as the artist, but, but how it is perceived is an individual thing by each person, right? Sure, and you can't control it. Right, right. right. But I've never imagined that a character I'm reading is necessarily the mouthpiece of the author. That was never that was never a bridge that that I crossed. Um, right, right. And I think that that's something that we're seeing in, in you know in in the younger kids coming up, there's some sort of a disconnect between that where they assume that every single character being written is you know a a, a perspective of the writer. Which Those is, damn kids. Uh, you know, yeah, the damn millennials is what I say. Yeah, exactly. It's just an aspect of I think everybody wants to play. They they want to seem more informed than they are, or right. you know, you have your fans and and they they read everything about you and they draw their own conclusions. They're just injecting too much of themselves into the artwork or the art, and and that's that's wrong. You're crossing a line where mm. it, you were never meant to be. Well, but isn't comics the, arguably of all the mediums probably the the hardest for that not to happen, right? Because right. what other industry do? I mean, here we are talking to Rick, one of our favorite creators. But but how 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 what other industry has such readily readily made crossover between fandom and creator, right? I mean, there isn't much. Yeah, I always wonder if that's a good thing. I, I my the old punk rocker in me wanted. I remember Ian Mackay. Uh, I read somewhere that he anybody who hand wrote a letter to any of his bands or to Discord Records or to him, he would handwrite a letter back. And and, and uh, no matter if he was up, you know, how many nights to do it. And it was all about because, you know, we're not rock stars and fuck that, you know, elitist bullshit where we're mm-hmm. not, you know, like this is a human being who wrote me a letter. I'm going to respond with a letter. I think the mistake I made was carrying that into the digital age where I thought I had to respond to every tweet and every every email and every every single digital communication that came and then you realize, you know, especially with Twitter being this sort of toxic, you know, to- compared to the rest of the Internet, especially Twitter very much is the negative, you know, the, the land where negativity goes to stir, um, that that there's a difference between somebody taking the time to write you a hand, write you a letter than somebody sending you a tweet, you know, saying something incendiary or, or trolling you. Uh, and and so I, I brought my a lot of the punk rock ethos and, that I grew up with into this when I started and realized, you know, like you're right though, in like film or television or or most authors or many other things, it's like you know, there is a, a much greater and thicker wall between the creators and and the people making the artwork and the audience than there is in comics. Which, if we're all respectful and awesome, 
that could be killer. You know, like, wow, how cool is that? But, uh, but uh, unfortunately, but my, you know what? I'll say this. I think it's mostly just mainstream superhero fans, and there's probably just 15% of them just, just suck. They're just joyless and pedantic and looking for something <laughs> to scream about. And they also love being part of a group screaming, you know, like, oh, right. we're all saying the same thing. I found a tribe. Yeah, fuck that person. Mm-hmm. Fuck them. And, and I get that. You know, people need to feel, you know, like they're... I think they're in, in, involved in some place where they they're like-minded people that that welcome them and, and love them. But yeah, um, I, I mean, you haven't done yeah. many conventions, uh, I guess, of late, at least uh, from what we can gather. Is that is that been a? Do you think that's been a, a positive? Has that just been a nature of you like conventions, but you're busy? I mean, do you do? Are, is the convention is connecting with fans in that way? Um, you know, something that that you're like you've actively decided is is best not to do that often, or is it just a, a thing that you've just been too busy? To commit. No, I've actually just been doing store signings because I feel like that's oh, more see, personal. Okay. Sure. Um, okay. I, I I just did one in a, up in Oxnard here in California, which is about mm-hmm. two hours uh, from me, and, and sort of you know north of LA and kind of farm country. And then I did I I, I literally took a, a red eye and, and uh, sh- sh- flew to Baltimore to do third eye, and um, you know I I. I uh, the only con I'm doing is the Idiot Fest up in San Jose oh, over yeah. the month. Um, but I, I, I made a list of the stores because people at the shops were saying, hey, you know, we'd love to have you at the shops, and this would be so great for the community. And I realized most of those people don't ever have the time or money or, or whatever to go to a comic con, but they love comics. And so I'm better served, I think, finding time to go to those shops, to the people, and, uh, you know, the people who just, like, they just go in on Wednesdays and buy comics and support mm, me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, then the, the, not that the people at the cons are less or don't support me, but it's a different. If it's a, you know, it, it, it's not quite the same um, is, is what I have found. And so I've been been doing more store signings and and you know beyond that sort of beyond that dancey answer, I also am pretty burned out by the conventions and the. It's like going to high school. It just, you know, there's aspects of it that are just too exhausting to to, to add to my life anymore. Sure. Yeah, yeah, we're gearing up to head down to Heroes, so I was, it was cons are on my mind. So <laughs> cons are always on your and, mind. And, and Heroes is a great show. No, know? it is um, very artist centric. Totally. And there's a there's a number of them that are that, are, that still are, but. You know, by the time I've by the time I've packed, gotten ready, shipped my books, done my travel arrangements, flown over there, gotten to the hotel, go to the show, uh, you know, run into a hundred thousand people who you know you haven't seen in forever, and and then sit at a table for two or three days talking and and handing books and money and shaking hands and and getting hepatitis or whatever it is that I'm gonna get. Uh, <laughs> And then I get home, and it's and, and it's like even if ninety five percent of it's super positive, if I had five percent where somebody that I was a fan of was rude, or you know somebody I thought was a friend snubbed me, or I didn't get invited yeah. to this dinner, I'm still just an insecure baby. You know, at forty four, <laughs> I still just go like, ooh. And you know, I'm sure there's plenty of normal people that just live their lives and don't have any of that shit. In, in no, but listen, I mean, and that works both ways, right? Because I'm sure you don't. You're human, and I'm sure there's probably moments in a, in, where over the course of a three or four day con, your interaction with a fan may not be to what you may look back and be like, ah oh, man, I, to, you don't want that to happen, or you don't want someone that's a fan of yours to come away thinking like, remember, yeah, a dick. there's always, there's always, <laughs> right. you know, in every line, I always look at it, you know, and go, oh, hey, look at that, 
It's like a hundred people in a line to come have me sign comics. What yeah. a goddamn amazing thing that is. And then there's always a voice in the back of my head that goes like, three of them are ready to challenge you. <laughs> I always go, which three of them are ready to just challenge me about something? Like, you know, the Scarlet Witch, she never had four fingernails, and she was, why did you, why did you make her not a mutant? And I go, you think that was my fucking idea? You know, like, yes, I was one day like, I don't think the Scarlet Witch is a mutant. I think the high evolutionary made her. I go, look, dude, like, these are corporate-owned characters, and there was a lot of machinations. That, and then I realized that I'm arguing with somebody about Scarlet Witch, trying to explain that not having her be a mutant wasn't my idea, and that we're yelling it. And I'm like, I, I don't, I'm not doing that. Yeah. <laughs> Get the yeah, fuck out of here. But well, too with short, the creator-owned stuff, focusing on the creator-owned stuff, it's like, that's gone mostly entirely away. And the people that are left are like genuine fans and, and enjoy what I do. And it's not somebody who feels like, you know, obsessively possessive of the Punisher. Like Frank Castle was mine and you turned uh -huh. him into a monster hunter. You know, and you're like, I'm sure you yeah, got a lot of that in the, in the moment, right? Oh yeah. I still, I had somebody come up to me in Oxnard. Like, well, you know, I am sure you got a lot of guff for that. That wasn't really. And I go, yeah, some people hate incredibly fun, imaginative comic that's books. That's right. I, I can't, yes. I can't help them. Like, if you didn't like it, you don't like my work, and that's cool, too. That was a nice way for you to test the water. Right. Yeah. Here, here. <laughs> you dick. <laughs> right? <laughs> my oh, favorite yeah. time for The Punisher. That, it was. That run was brilliant. Yeah, you were, yeah. mm -hmm. Oh, what a boring character. I, I, I worked so hard to try to do something interesting, and then, of course, it's like everybody was just up in arms on the Internet. And they, you know... It was fun. It was fun getting to write those characters. I'm I'm really happy not to like. I can do anything I want now, and oh, there's never going to yeah. be a bunch of people, you know, trying to get me fired off of one of my books for because they don't like Sharon Carter's, you know, being aged or whatever <laughs> fictitious <laughs> nonsense that happened to their punching corporate superhero comic books. Before we let you go, because I know Sebastian is is you work a lot with him as your ed as an editor uh, on some of your yep. work. Um, have you gotten a chance to uh, to uh, check out Bear, Bear Fighter? I love it. Yeah, it's I was awesome, like right? Jody, Jody and Sebastian. Um, Jody and I worked together on X Force. He was right. my uh, he and Axel were the initial editors, and then right. Jody and I uh, did did uh, the the first eighteen nineteen issues of X Force together. Mm -hmm. And Sebastian and I have been working together since The Punisher and Frankencastle. Um, and so uh, I, I, I think those guys are both incredibly talented, and to see them uh, make this book, and then I read it, and I was like, oh man, it's full of all of the like craft and all of the wonderful things they've learned from you know from all these years making comic books, and it's also just in, uh, incredibly brave and fun and funny, and uh, yeah. I'm, I'm really excited for them. I know that they got uh, huge initial orders on that, so I'm, I'm excited to see those guys and what they're going to do next. And eventually, probably not have have to go find a new editor because they're they're off writing their own stuff. Yeah, yeah, we did a deep dive on that one last week when I thought it was great. Just again, you're just fun comics, you know, just comics celebrating the, the 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 insanity of comics and 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 just just totally just slathering yourself in it, which is great. So That's yeah, it. and then but they definitely are with that thing. I think everybody should. If anybody, how long have we been talking? Jesus, if anybody's still listening, they're like fucking. Somebody's been. Somebody's just. <laughs> Flown from New York to San Francisco. Listen, our people are uh, our 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 fans are devoted. We don't we they 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 get upset if our episodes uh, are are fall below the three hour mark. Not that we're going to keep you here for another hour, but but uh, <laughs> but we've got plenty more talking to do after we wrap up with you. So um, well, anyway, we have a special cool, yeah. kind of a special kind of fandom, Rick. 
you, do, you have the special ones. Yes. Well, uh, when you do your own thing, you can find that. That's what's wonderful. That's right. Yeah. But uh, but on on that cue, I I think it is time to let you go back and make sure your son isn't starving to death. Uh, yeah, he's probably upstairs eating a bag of. He's probably found where probably mainlining like Reese's Pieces right now. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, so. Thank you so much. It's always great to catch up with you. And uh, I know we're all stoked to see Deadly Class come to TV, so fingers crossed on that. Yeah, uh, send uh, good vibes. For sure. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, listen, th- thanks again. And uh, I would say we'll see you around uh, the con circuit soon, but yeah. I don't know that we will. Uh, you, you, do you think, are you going to hit any, do you know, or to be determined? Uh, uh, there's the Idiot Fest at the end of this month that I'm doing. and then uh, Oh, would that be in San pa- Diego? It's in, yeah, uh, San Jose, and then, you know, so oh. the, the, they're setting it up with, uh, so Weezer is playing, and TV on the radio, and wow. uh, Crystal Castles, yeah, and then, the uh, right? uh, oh, uh, yeah, okay. and I, I, I'm there with, with Becky Cloonan, and Farrell Dalrymple, and Nick Regatta, and Jerry Duggan, uh, even Brandon, and Mateo Scalera will be there, nice. and a bunch of other comic folks, and then they've also got, like, Har- Dan Harmon doing Harmon Town and Portlandia is there and uh, po- Brian Posehn's there. They've just got all these comedians, nice. so it will be an interesting thing. At, uh, my my buddy Lee Lowridge uh, oh, yeah. came up yeah. with a lot of this and, and put this together. So awesome. uh, he, when he told me about it, I was like, "Yeah, dude, I, I I'm not going to do any shows this year, but I'll, I'll come out to that. We'll see what right. that goes down like." Uh, we're gonna anyway, I'll miss you guys at the shows. Hold it together. Keep it real. We will keep. We will hold it down for you. We'll represent. Please do. Tell everybody Tell everybody I said hi, and they'll be like, what? And then just keep walking. We'll do that. Well, thanks so much, man. Thanks <laughs> for coming on again, and uh, we will see you soon, I hope. Yeah, it's always yeah. great talking with you. Thanks so much. All right. Have a good day, sir. That was fun. That was crazy town. That was that was fantastic. I liked it a lot. He was very, yes. very forthcoming. Rick's the really real man. He is. He is. You know, we touched on a little bit, but I do think that uh, – uh, there is something to be said for, uh, you know, I don't know. I'm trying to like, I don't want to get, too, I don't want to get too far afield or like try and, but, but, you know, I think it's fair to say that, that if you're a person of a certain age and you provide it for a family, there's, there's gotta be moments in your life where you feel like a frustration that you're either, you're not doing what you want to be doing or even probably worse. You are doing what you want to be doing, but you're not sure you should be doing that because it's not necessarily paying the bills. Well, I hear you and, brother. <laughs> well, no, I mean, look, I, again, I, that's your story to tell, but, you know, but we're your boys. We know what's up with that. But, I mean, Rick lived that life, right? I mean, he's been very candid. I mean, for for a lot of years, money was super tight for him, right? And he just – and he he had, unlike a lot of guys that kind of just always did comics and either make it or don't make it, Rick had really high-paying jobs doing video game design and storyboarding and worked for an addict. Like, he, he, he made good livings, and, and, and he, he's – he every time he would have a good quote unquote good career arc, he would sabotage it to write comics because that's what he wanted to do. And uh, I love that, you know, I love the happy ending, right? Like I love that the guys like that 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 just it's in their blood they can't help themselves. Yeah, are in a position now where they're not only like making the living, but they're like presumably caking up. You know, I, I awesome. love the guys that have the faith in themselves to embrace what we all know is their destiny. Like, judging, yeah, listen, judging I mean, by the man's yeah. work, there's nothing else that Rick was meant to do. That's yeah. true. Yeah. I don't know if I told you guys, but uh, 
you know, my hold my is is eight, and I'm saying this for the listeners, not for you. I know you guys know who Holden is, but uh, but he he uh, I guess he was doing something at school about like careers or something, and he for some reason and I forget the context. He asked Beth, "What would Dad would is Dad doing if he could do anything he wanted in life? Is he doing that?" And I thought that was a fascinating thing for an eight year old to ask. Sure, he's got your brain. And, and then I was really fascinated by Beth's answer. Let's see how well she knows you. She said, Daddy is happy doing what he's doing because it provides us the life we have. But if you're asking me what I think Daddy would love to do above all else if he could, he'd be a writer. Wow. And I was floored by that because I don't think I've ever had a conversation like that with Beth. So I asked her about it. And she said, well, I'm not talking about even like writing a not. She's like, but you love to write. You you write all the time, you know, you've had blogs, you write your football guy stuff, you write your comics. Stuff. Yeah, no, no, but she's like, you love to write, like, you, that's your preferred mechanism of communication. Right. And I just was like, totally floored by that. So your point, I mean, even when you have a quote unquote good career, I mean, we all, we all know what it's like to not necessarily like, to choose between doing what you have to do versus doing what you want to do. And, you know, is it responsible to just do what you want to do, family and kids and wife be damned? Probably. But if there weren't people out there like that, we wouldn't get a Rick, right? Right. Because Rick had to go on that journey. He wouldn't yeah. be the guy dropping five of the best books on the stands right now if he wasn't the guy having trouble paying his bills yeah. five, ten years ago. They're True. the best because of his experience. Yeah. Right. So. I think you should chuck it on. Start writing full time for the 11oclockcomics.com website. And then, Pretty much is. Yeah, really. And, and you, then, know, you know, you know what could make that happen, Vince? What? Our good friends who who help us out at Patreon. Oh, do tell. Talk on it. Spe- <laughs> speak on it. Speak on it. Talk on it. Talk on it, please. <laughs> so depressing. Do tell. Speak on it. Yeah, I don't do straight. I, you know this. Yes. Well, uh, so. In addition to our good friends, the Merklers, who are proud sponsors of this episode, we are also sponsored by y'all, y'all, by our patrons, by the Patreon, our fine fans that, uh, that, that have chosen to support the show, uh, in another way. And Patreon is, uh, is a platform that allows people to show their appreciation for creators and artists that are putting out content that they think is worth uh, applauding. Um, you can find our site at Patreon, which is P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash 11 o'clock comics, where you can go and become a patron if you feel like doing it. There's some pretty kick-ass rewards, I have to say, that we've got set up for different patron levels, um, including uh, a chance to receive a curated care package of goodies from us. Uh, you can, um, one of the things that we, we actually just put live for the first time today, thanks to DAP, uh, patrons at a certain level and above can vote on a book of the month for us to do a deep dive on, uh, on the show. And, uh, David put up a choice of what, 10 different books, David? 11. Right. 11. Oh, how 11. apropos. Uh, I love that. Now, I, I was going to ask you guys mm-hmm. that this could be some little, behind the scenes should we tell everybody what the choices are or should they just wait to find out what the winner is at the end of the month 
Um, I, I'm fine with, with talking on it because, to use a Vincism. Um, because I, I don't know about you guys. Again, this is behind the scenes, uh, but, but I, I would envision keeping a lot of the things that don't get voted on on the list, yeah? Oh, yeah, no, there will be some turn, yeah, but we'll, we'll have, we'll have, uh, nothing's a loser, but any of the ten that don't get picked, uh, will be on a future poll. Because they're, they're, they're all things that we want to read, and then as the months go on, we'll, we'll, we'll detract and add a couple. Yeah, so do you, um, you want to run it down? I'll run it down. Alright. We have, uh, Alien, The Illustrated Story, by Archie Goodwin and Walt Simonson. Astro City, Life in the Big City, the first six issues of the first volume, of the Kurt Busiek and Brent Anderson series that eventually landed uh, the second volume and went on to uh, originally published at um, at Image under uh, homage and then uh, went to DC. Um, Cosmic Odyssey by Jim Starlin, Mike Mignola, and I can't remember Garzon's first name. Uh, Hellboy, Seed of Destruction. The first miniseries of, uh, Hellboy, the, they have Mage, the Hero Discovered by Matt Wagner. Nexus, Executioner's Song by Mike Barron and Steve Rude. Uh, a little book called Ronin by someone named Frank Miller. Legend. Another Frank Miller offering, uh, Sin City, A Dane to Kill For. Mm-hmm. The Mark Wade and Lanil Francis Hugh and, uh, Jerry Algonquin, uh, Superman Birthright, Tank Girl Volume 1 by, uh, Jamie Hewlett and, uh, is it, who wrote it? Um, damn, Alan Watson. Uh, and last but not least, number 11, uh, V for Vendetta by Alan Moore and David Lloyd and the, um, um, I'm a little, kind of, sort of surprised about some of the, uh, everything has been voted on at least once, which, which I'm happy to see. There, there's something on here that will, um, that, that's for everyone, but, uh, it's, it's nice to see. And a couple of people have made comments about why they pick something. Um, so it's, it's cool to read some of their thoughts behind why they picked what, even if it's just something simple like, well, they just came out with this deluxe edition, so everybody should read it because of it. So it's it's pretty cool. But uh, there are no losers. Something will get picked and read. You have until, um, if, uh, if you are a patron at this level, you have until next Friday, June 16th at 4.30 p.m. Eastern Time to vote. Uh, if you are not a patron, you can be uh, quite easily. Uh, by going to the website and um, picking this level that allows you to vote. And uh, in case we do not have in our possession whichever book wins, uh, we can try to find it next weekend, uh, where I think we're going to be at Heroes Con. And um, we'll be able to maybe come home with it. But that's, uh, yeah, so that's that's the current offering for the uh, for the June book. Nice. And by the way, folks, this is uh, the great thing about Patreon is that not only are the rewards for the patrons themselves, but their love and support helps everybody because there are goals. And we were very, very flattered to have reached our first three goals in the first day that we launched this, the campaign. We're fast approaching our fourth goal, which is the hanging with the dudes. And what that means is when we hit that mark, 
we will promise a monthly Google Chat Hangout where you get to not only hear us but uh, see our ugly mugs in live and in color, and we will chat about life, the universe, and everything. And then shortly after that, I got a camera. It's all right. We'll figure it out. Uh-huh. Our fifth goal, Vince, which you already pretty much want to give away for free, yep. yes. is the two or more extra episodes a month. Or more. Or more. Or more. I like that. We've unlocked the one. Our, our patrons have unlocked the, the goal of one extra episode a month or more. And uh, we are we are approaching two or more. So for those of you that want to hear us six or more times a month, uh, by all means, if you haven't done the patronage yet, that's the way to go about doing it, and we very much thank you for your support. Yeah. We got comics to talk about, don't we? We got a couple few, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But before we do that, we have some thank yous. We do, we do, we do. We did not um we didn't uh do all our business at the beginning. Well, that um, that would be rude. Because yes, we wanted to uh, our, our our district was uh <laughs> On a bit of a schedule, so we had to make sure that um, everything would be taken care of before uh, well, we would talk to him and then be able to do our, our little bit of house cleaning uh, at the end. So we're going to do that now. I'm going to let Vince go first because I well, know he's got something. I do, and I think it's the same one that y'all have. Um, in here it says, um, P.S. I asked Wood for his address, but he didn't reply. Same thing. He sent me the same thing. So it's not. I don't even know who this is. It's not his fault that you didn't get one of these. It is from. You'll you'll be able to see him next week, though, because I think we're going to be here as Heroes Heroes Con. Jay Sternitsky sent us a nice little care package. Oh, damn. He did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys could have given it to him. Hey. He didn't ask us. Right. Normally, okay. people, anybody who asks, I just like, yeah, this is his address, this is his kids' oh, names, and my social security number. So, um, but yeah, no, normally, if, if I had known that he was trying to reach out to you, yeah, I would have given it to him, but I didn't until I got the letter. Uh, book. But inside, In my head, not my heart, Jay. Inside this uh, care package are works created by Jay and Drew Sternitsky and yeah. um, Matteo Cantu. Yes. We got short stack number six. The tale- well, I got five and six because you had five already. I do have five. Uh, yeah. The Tales of the Superhuman Plumber. We got Bound by Ink, which is a collected short fiction of Matteo Cantu and Jay Sternitsky from Paper Dream Productions. They're all from Paper Dream Productions. And um, Recovery 1.0 by Drew Sternitsky, which is, yeah, this is insane. Yeah, yeah big I time. Love this. And Jay designed it, so yes, it is some awesome stuff, and y'all can uh, partake in this stuff by going to paper p a p a r dreamproductions dot com, or if you're going to Heroes like we are, you'd be able to pick it up right from the source, the source wall, baby. That's true. So thank you. Nice. What are you doing? Who's typing? I'm typing because, yeah, I think I, I be, I'm typing for a reason because you didn't intentionally um, lie to them, Vince. I didn't. But um, it, that's a typo on the back of Paper Dreams Recovery 1.0. It is not P-A-P-R, dreamproductions.com. Oh. It is paper, 
P-A-P-E-R, dreamproductions.com. Oh, that's the way Wood would spell it, though. Papar. Yeah, Papar. Give me that paper. Um, All right, Mr. Magneto. (laughs) (laughs) It'll never die. Submariner. So so that is why I was typing, Vince. I wasn't uh, okay. You weren't. So you weren't happy on the keys. Yeah. Um, how? But I'm 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 rude. How, rude, right? The uh, but I need to. I'm gonna have to reread the short stack trade, so then I can get into five and six. Um, because I believe it was at Heroes Con uh, when we first met Jay that uh, I came home with the first collection. I also need to thank patron Mr. Christopher Burton uh, who and, it, and this is today. I'm so glad it came today. Uh, Christopher as as all good men should is uh, working on completing his amazing heroes run and as that happens when um, people go looking and buying issues of Amazing Heroes and you come across eBay or some other places, uh, you usually end up getting them in lots and, and just random issues or a complete chunk. But when that happens, you're going to end up getting duplicates because nobody needs you know, eight copies of Amazing Heroes number 98. Um, so Christopher was kind enough to pass on some of his duplicates, including Amazing Heroes number 15, uh, which, um, has an exclusive interview with Keith, Legion of Superheroes Giffen, uh, the history of Captain Marvel Part 2, and uh, Starhawks and Star Wars and more. Issue number 136, which is all about Superman at 50 years old. Um, Amazing Heroes number 144, uh, with an interview with uh, Matt Howarth of uh, Post Brothers that. fame. I need that. I know. Uh, you also have 159, uh, with an interview with Sam Hamm, who wrote the Batman movie, uh, as well as an interview with, um, Paul Galassi. A, pretty stop. That's good, Galassi. Uh, you have, um, number 162, which actually has absolutely no text on the cover. However, the cover is of, um, uh, Roachmill. And they, so, so they have an interview with, uh, Rich Hedden and Tom McSweeney. Um, there's also an interview with the power of the Adam artist Graham Nolan, who I believe went on to create something called Bane. And, uh, number 163, Dennis Cohen and Denny O'Neill go on about the question. You also have uh, an article on thank God this never happened. Daredevil on TV, a chat with the producer and star of the show. They were going to do a Daredevil spinoff from the Trial of the Incredible Hulk telemovie with Rex Smith as Matt Murdock, a.k.a. Daredevil. Um, and apparently they were going to use Born Again as uh, part of the plot and I'm so, so glad. That never happened. And finally, issue 164, which I had at one point, and I absolutely love it because I remember most of the splash pages in this issue. It is a swimsuit issue. Uh, there's swimsuit special with, um, with art by Rick Geary and Eric Schanauer and Gray Morrow and Dom Simpson and so, so many. There's a beautiful 
Betty and Veronica by Sam and Max creator, uh, Steve Purcell. There is a, uh, th- there's just a lot to take in it. This is uh, a rather thick issue, but, uh, thank you. So very, very much, Christopher. There will be some, uh, fanzine flashbacks in the very near future. Yes. Nice. So good. So very good. Yeah. So what have we read? What have we, we got to oh, do this. I got a little something. What? We did the class number 28. What you got? Baby Teeth, number one, by Aftershock Comics. Oh, nice. I didn't read this one. I didn't either. Where'd you get this? From Aftershock. Written by Mr. Donnie Cates. Yes. A man we've been talking about a lot lately. Could he be the next big thing? What do you think? No. God Country as well? What do you think? Could be. Yeah. Illustrated by our boy and recent interviewee on our website, 11oClockComics.com, Mr. Gary Brown. The premise is a simple one. 16-year-old Sadie Ritter is pregnant. And she she hid her pregnancy until term. Uh. As she's going into labor, the world starts succumbing to massive earthquakes in line with her contractions. Hmm. When her son is born, the earthquakes stop. Her son is a healthy baby boy that she names Clark. But the healthy baby boy's eyes are completely black. I mean, like, all black. And and this is all pretty much from the... I'm not, I'm not giving anything that wasn't in the solicit. She gives birth to the Antichrist. Nice. And... This is the story of what it would be like to be the mom of the Antichrist. Yeah. Talk to my it's five issue miniseries. Nice. First it's issue was, was on point. It was on point. It's her trying to it's her trying to record a video diary to her to her son that he will see in the future. But she has to keep restarting it because she doesn't know exactly how to say what she has to say to him. With the and a very appropriate and compelling uh, cliffhanger at the end, as you might expect. But I, I'm not going to go into that. You know, I got to start that, re- reading the solicits a little more uh, closely because I did not even. This doesn't even register. I, I I haven't even seen this. But why? If I did, I would have ordered it. It's true, and, it, and if maybe some website had talked about it on their interview, it might have it might have come across it. <laughs> Such oh wait, a, we did. That's right. I'm, I actually talked to Gary about it. That's such right. A, such a dick. I put cover images, and you also, I mean, and you did. You you also did an interview with a variant cover artist on our website. That's right, Mr. Mike Ruth. Yep. Wow, this art right. looks pretty good. I like this a lot. It's Gary Brown, dude. Yeah, I like. Yeah. Well, yeah, but I'm looking at the pages here, and they are sharp. I know. First came the massive, then came Black Road. Now comes this. On it. Yeah. No, it's cool. It's it's character driven in the first issue. There's not a tremendous amount of uh, it's 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 scary drawing humans being human for the most part. But but I'm feeling based on the the derivation of the child and based on the last page, it'll it's gonna get crazy. 
And it's only five issues, so I'm wondering if this is one of those books that upends the conventional structure and it just, the world ends. He's the Antichrist and he brings about the end of days. Well, they kind of did that with, not they, but um, that was kind of similar to... Um, Nomadic. Nomadic, yeah. Where oh, I just, didn't read that. Where, where the, you sure? You did. That was uh, Eric Donovan and... Um, no, I know. I didn't read it, though. Yeah. You guys oh, talked about oh, it. Yeah, already. yeah okay. Hmm. Yeah. Should have. Yeah. No, I know. I own it. I own the trades. Because there was Mimetic and then there was a follow-up, right? No. It's something different. No, it was just Mimetic's only three issues. But they were... They, did, they, did they do another thing together? Yes. Okay. But uh, Mimetic was three issues. They were oversized. A page okay. count. Yeah. Cool. No, I got to get this. You do. It's like it was. Johnny will be heroes. You could pick up a copy there. I will. It's like it was written for me. Well, I don't know. It might not be gory enough. We'll have to see. But we'll see. Yeah, I mean, you only you just got the setup. Baby's born. Now the shit's going to hit the fan. Correct. Right. But I spoke on it. You did. <laughs> Keep digging. Keep digging. Nah, dude, I was right, dude. Mimetic has a sequel called Cognetic. No way. Yes. He'll publish that. I presume the same. Boom. Yeah. James Tinian and Eric Donovan. James Tinian wrote it. That's it. Does it say specifically a sequel to Mimetic? Because I'm doubting I mean, it. It's called Cognetic Dog. No, it's, hey, could be a totally different thing. You think it's coincidence? Yeah. Because the, the, the way Mimetic ended, I don't know. Do you, yeah, there's... I don't know if I wanted a sequel. Right. It could be complete coincidence. Let me see. Oh, jeez. Cognetic is a conceptual sequel to Mimetic. Damn. The second miniseries in a trilogy of post-apocalyptic tales. What? We got to get this now. Where have yeah. we? You know, we're Y'all blanking on some stuff. I, right up. I don't. That's terrible. I don't. I don't that's, like blanking on stuff. Well, Ooh. it's happening more and more, Mister Fifty Something. Hmm. Thank you. You gotta start taking your fish oil. Damn. I got something. (laughs) I I love how you just, when you're ready, man, you just plow right through. Like, let me talk. Move out the way. F all, y'all. This was originally published in 84. Oh, 84. Yes, but. uh, You guys started reading comics. The publisher who picked it up for stateside distribution, and they translated it because it, it was not in English. Didn't get it published till 1985. Publisher is NBM. And it was released as an, uh, a magazine-sized, hardcover, slim, 48-page graphic album, as is the uh, tendency to do in the European countries. Um, this thing is called The Mercenary, Volume 1. The Cult of the Sacred Fire, and it was written and drawn by Sigrell. Have any of you read this? No, and I'm about to be mad at you for this being the first time I've ever heard of it, I think. It's uh, totally in line with uh, Mr. Remender's Au revoir because it is impeccably illustrated. Now, oh, I'm, I'm looking at it right now. I'm not saying oh, that boy. it is uh, written as well as Mr. Remender could could write because it's 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 an uh, you know it's sword and sorcery, but there's a sci-fi bent to it. There's um, an area of the planet in 
extremely high elevation. There's a, a layer of clouds that uh, legend has it cannot be pierced, lest whoever is doing the piercing will die. Uh, and above the clouds, in this extremely mountainous region, the people and the flora and the fauna did not evolve at the same pace as those below. So this area still has dinosaurs. But the dinosaurs did a little bit of evolving themselves because they're at such a high elevation. The uh, the big boys uh, evolved in wings so they can fly. So you have flying dinosaurs in this thing. And the title character is a mercenary who, you know, a sword for hire. And he is paid... Uh, to do things that most men would find very uh, scary. <laughs> He's flying along on his dinosaur, and he notices a naked woman on a precipice just hanging. You know, she, her arms are all tied up, and she's, she's all naked. And so he decides, you know, um, I'm going to rescue her. And he does, but he makes a really big mistake in doing so because her husband was fulfilling an obligation, and in in saving the woman, in in saving the woman, yeah, that that obligation is now nullified. So who to whomever he had that obligation, the mercenary just screwed it up. Well, anyway, the the woman is not too fond of her husband, so uh, mercenary rescues her. They 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 make a. An escape, and in doing so, the the husband's men attack the mercenary and gravely wound his mount. So they they just manage to to reach this the the top of this this thankfully flat um, piece of mountain, and the mount dies. But the mount was pregnant. So the mercenary cuts it open, and the baby's born. And the, the, these these be, these beasts have an instinct that they can fly straight out of the womb. Great. Uh, the thing is hungry, so the the mercenary and his uh, the woman he saved they, they 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 seek some kind of of shelter, and the woman throws herself at the mercenary. Oh, thank you for rescuing me. You're such a brave man. And and she's buck naked. Right, and mm. they, they kiss, and the mercenary is like, "Sweetheart, I'm a mercenary. There's no room in my life for women because I'm just gonna hip hop to the next job, and and you will be, you can be killed, you can be maimed, you know, whatever. We can't have this." So she doesn't take too kindly uh, about that. Um, and another dinosaur shows up, like this thing is so beautifully illustrated that the the fact that the story is paper thin doesn't really matter. It, th- this story was reprinted in heavy metal. Uh, it's it's up there with Frazetta. Like, Segrell is a master painter. Um, the beasts are just gorgeous. The, the thing he really excels at is uh, architecture. Like, there there are domed buildings in this thing. Like, the, the, the title... Uh, the cult of the sacred fire. There, there's a, a city that is elevated. Uh, it's tethered to the ground, but it's elevated because the uh, the women of uh, a very very nasty person 
all said, you know what? We're sick of being this dude's plaything. Let's trick him into building this city, and then we will elevate ourselves to a, a point of untouchability. He won't be able to, to get at us. But in doing that, they imprison themselves. So while it took away the nastiness of having to be another cum dumpster for this this, huh. this sultan guy, they're, they're all slaves. Like you it, went to the CD. I did. And, and again, the the women are mostly nude, topless, um, but the, the, the costumes and the, the city, there's a, a full page where they show the city being built and it, you can see the interior structure and it's all beautifully thought out. Like there's, there's concentric rings of, of wood and then there's, there's, um, from the center, there's, there's beams emanating. You see this thing as it's being built, but it's, it's a nice page because at the top, you get the, the sultan and all the women are like fawning over him. And at the bottom, the sultan's all pissed off once when the jig is up and he realizes what has happened. So it's sequential, but it's a single image. Really, really neat stuff. The color palette in this thing is gorgeous. Google the mercenary and Segrell. It's S-E-G-R-E-L-L-E-S, you know. Uh, and you will see some art that will curl your frickin' toes. It's absolutely gorgeous. It looks stunning. It is. And there's a number of books in this series. I think there's six, maybe eight. Um, I have them all, but I've never brought them. I was moving some boxes uh, up in the and I'm like, holy shit! I never spoke on it with up the in them trees. with the mercenary. Um, it's really great stuff. What I what I was gonna say before is, and I think I did. It's up there with Frazetta. It is not the upper echelon Frazetta level. Like he's mm-hmm. pretty he's pretty much untouchable. But if you are looking for a fantasy sci fi conglomerate with imagery along the lines of Frazetta, then then this is the thing for you. It's absolutely stunning. Gorgeous. Respect. Yeah. The beasts Maybe are throw so that cool. in your trunk uh, for next week? Or yeah, I mean, it'll take you right? all of... You know, the the reading of this thing is quick. It's only 48 pages, and there's, you know, it, there's a decent amount of dialogue, but mm-hmm. you will... Look at the each panel and just kind of like lose yourself, and you forget like oh uh, there's another one right next to it I got to get to that so you know I look at the man's technique and it's just flawless so smooth mm-hmm. yeah and I'm not usually a fan of of smooth and and flawless and pristine <laughs> but the 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 skin tones that he uses are just gorgeous and he he knows when to pepper the the, the the blues and the purples into the shadows to get it, you know, hot and cool. It's, oh, I love this book. And it's very pulpy. This is an adventure where, you know, it's it's one man seemingly against uh, a ton of odds and he just wins out in the end. He would Sounds have, great. He would have been dead. There's aerial battles in here that's like nobody can survive this shit. It's just impossible. But... It's it's heroic fiction. He does win out in the end. Aww. Yeah. Check it out. The Mercenary. I love it. You'll be a fan. Who, doesn't, who doesn't like flying dinosaurs? 
Not a, not a single person. If you do, then, brother, I don't know no, what to Trump, say. Trump doesn't like it. There you go. No, but isn't that what Jesus was driving? Well, they <laughs> are. They are huge. <laughs> no, dude, you know Trump doesn't believe in dinosaurs. Earth's only uh, 2017 years old? Exactly. It's silly. <sighs> a little bit, a little bit. Um, well, I was, yeah, I, I kind of pushed everything off to the side so I can... Uh, catch up on some remindery goodness, but I did, um, I did read, uh, which, well, don't necessarily have to really get into it, but, uh, I read Deadly Classroom 28, um, which kind of, uh, it, the, Couple of different right. plays that, uh, yeah, no, I am, I am. It's, it's weird. I'm trying to just get, get the right words. It's based on everything that that Rick has been doing, as far as you know, bringing characters back in the school and what's going on with Side Twenty Eight. There are pages that touch on everything. It's not, it's not a standalone side origin issue. It's not uh, Marcus Save Marie, anything like that for full issue. It's it's um, Rick and Wes. Are, it starts off with Marcus on the beach with Maria, uh, but their location plays into, uh, something that happens later on in the story. And, you know, we're back at the school with, uh, with the clique and the group that's running things and, and there seems to be some, uh, turmoil within that group. Things aren't going as well as, uh, Jabon would like it to go. There's a, uh, um, we do see Saya briefly in the issue. We also, uh, have some students called before, um, Master Lin and, uh, who we kind of, we really haven't seen him too much in, in recent issues after the, uh, after the freshman event the 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 year and the the final uh so i i like the issue because it kind of sped certain things up it it, it reminded it kind of reminded me just that you know it, this isn't um this isn't an issue that just kind of you know focuses on on one thing at a time so even when you do get an issue which is the character or two um there's still other characters mulling about and, and, you know, Rick is obviously not, he's, he hasn't forgotten anybody. Uh, but this is the issue that, uh, Saya kind of, uh, explains what happened and, and, and what she did and, and, uh, maybe not so much her motives, but, uh, her thinking, uh, on, on, on how to, um, take care of some things. And, uh, I, if you, you kind of do a, a, almost a, a 360 on Saya because when you, when you're first introduced to her and because you're, you're looking at her through Marcus's eyes, uh, you may feel a certain kind of way about her and then, uh, she does something really fucking horrible. Um, but then a couple months later you find out why and, and, and how it happened. So, uh, you're kind of back to, to just go, oh, okay, you know, she's, uh, I dig it. I, I, I can see where, you know, where she's going and why she may be doing some things, but it, it was a really, it was really solid. And it was a, 
a little bit more colorful, I think, than, than more recent issues. But that was the color palette that uh, that Jordan Boy was working with was, uh, as we mentioned in the past, it was it was fitting for those particular issues. And and here, because you do get uh, you do get a lot going on with different characters as far as the different plot lines. Um, it, it popped a little bit more. There were certain, certain pages had, had a bit more color, uh, also because of the setting. You know, you're not, no one wants to see a drive jury beach unless you're watching Man of Steel. So this is an act, this was a, um, I, I really like this issue. I wouldn't, it's obviously not a jumping on point, but it's also, it, it's an issue where it, it's melding a few of the plot lines that, uh, that Rick and, Wes are, are running with. Um, it, it was it was a real solid issue. It wasn't slow. It wasn't it wasn't a filler. It, it was just a, a nice reminder, more or less, of of what all of the characters in the story are really doing. So I I, I really really liked Deadly Class Twenty Eight. Is what I'm saying. Jason, Vince, did you say that I should play Shabnam? In the Deadly Class TV show. <laughs> I said you should play an adult version of Shop. Why you gotta be like that? <laughs> eh. Just wanted to see if you were paying attention. Seriously. Uh, no, I was, but what was I gonna do? I wasn't gonna talk over you. <sighs> I get no love. Alright, everybody. Hey. Love. And speaking of love, don't we have a little bit to throw around? Yes. Uh, as, as, uh, speaking of our patrons. Uh, we, uh, a couple of shout outs for this evening, uh, include Mr. Trevor Williams, mm-hmm. Michael Del Vecchio. Oh, nice. Jonathan Yen. Mm-hmm. And Keith C. Amaral. Neat. Nice. Good. Those would be our newest EOC Illuminati members, right? Yes. So they get a shout out and then, in six months of this of this tier, they get the aforementioned care package. Yeah, so nice you guys to do that. Thank you, we really appreciate it. And uh, like Jason is uh, fond of saying, it's going to benefit everybody. So, mm-hmm. as usual, this episode of Eleven O'clock Comics has been sponsored by Discount Comic Book Service, DCBService.com, where you can get your books, get them fast, get them delivered right to your door for a fraction of what all the rubes are paying. At the yeah. the regular comic shops, such as from Valiant Divinity Number Zero will cost you a dollar ninety nine. IDW is doing a Donald and Mickey ongoing. This will cost you two ninety nine. That's fifty percent off the cover price. And hotter than Georgia asphalt, it's Daniel Warren Johnson with the Extremity Number One, uh, Volume One actually trade paperback eight dollars and forty nine cents. In your travels, uh, I didn't talk about this because it, when it was time to talk about this, because it recently came in my, my, uh, DCBS box, what with me being a once a month delivery person, uh, I didn't have it, but now I do. It is the Free Comic Book Day, 2000 AD. Ooh, nice. Did you guys read this? Not yet. It's awesome. There is a Judge Dredd story that leads the book, illustrated by Phil Winslade. Ooh. I kid you not. It's a cool story. Uh, Joe Dredd is dead. 
Mm. Yeah, actually, it was a uh, person that was made to look like Judge Dredd. So he's killed an effigy, and the murders mount. And with each murder, the body is contorted into the shape of a letter. So somebody's trying to send Dredd a message, and they do. Who is it? Well, you're going to have to read it. There is a beautiful Ashley Wood uh, from 3A. Well, we know who Ashley Wood is, but it's <laughs> it's it's Dredd looking up at one of Ashley's robot creations, and he says, "Drocking good toys." But the the illustration is absolutely astounding. There is a Black Hood and ABC Warriors tale. You get a new serial called Hope for the Future that's illustrated by Jimmy Broxton. Oh, of Vampirella. Vampirella. Yes. Written by Guy Adams. There is also a Judge Anderson story of Psy Division where she goes up against the Hag siblings, brother and sister Hag, and they, uh, they try and get her off her game by showing her visions of Judge Death. And we all know how... Judge Anderson isn't too fond of Judge Death. And speaking of Judge Death, there is a Judge Death solo story that rounds this thing out with art by Dave Kendall, fully painted art. So you get to see all the dark judges and there's turmoil in the ranks. It's just great. This is a, this is a way you do free comic book day books. You know, give give them something new, give them a taste of what's to come, uh, put your your top-tier characters in there. It's just, it is a great free comic book day book. So, 2080, get on it. Nicely done. Um, I don't have uh, too much really that I could say as in your travels. I did read Girl Scouts, Magic Socks. Number one, uh, which was awesome, everything that um, you guys talked about last week, uh, and then some. Um, Black Cloud read the second issue, so I'm going to say I really like the first issue a lot. Um, second issue, kind of just um, still is is more the same uh, in a good way. It's uh, it is. Uh, well, the, it's written or script story is by Jason Latour and Ivan Brandon. Script is by Ivan. Art is by Greg Hankel. Uh, color is beautifully done by Matt Wilson. And, um, yeah, I'm still not completely sure about everything, uh, that's going on, but I am, uh, digging the twist and the turns and, and the, uh, kind of the, the mystery aspect of it. Uh, the different worlds, more or less, and, and, uh, the way those worlds intersect with one another is, uh, done beautifully. So I am, uh, I'm, I'm still, I'm still digging it. I'm still in on, uh, on Black Cloud until something completely, uh, startles me, or jolts me back into reality. I, it, it's hard for me to even say, you know, well, I, I, that makes no sense because it's this is a completely new uh, environment and and uh, I just I really like the art I like the creators involved in it 
we're all big Latour fans, but uh, yeah, I, I need to. I'm I'm glad that something like Black Cloud is actually available is 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 there to be consumed because it's just it's it's weird it's and, and you know i mean not, not like the butcher baker kind of weird or you know something out there it's just uh i really really don't know how how i would describe it but i'm, I'm going to need a couple more issues to finally just say yes this is absolutely blowing me away and it's going to find its way on the 11 o'clockers or i'm like okay you know what i completely lost and have no idea what the hell they're doing uh and i I, right now i like being in that uh in that kind of limboish area where i have no idea where they're taking me uh but it's it's kind of funky uh uh, it's a funky ride that they're taking me on so i'm i'm still digging black cloud and uh give it a shot that's basically what i'm saying Good for you. Right. In your travels, head on over to Charlotte, North Kakalaka. <laughs> because for the first time, but not the last, Vince Bizzle will be up in effect. And we will regale you with stories from our road trip, especially if you join Patreon, because we're going to throw all kinds of bonus footage both audio and video into the patrons only feed on Patreon as a little thank you. And while you're in Charlotte, because a lot of you will be there, you got to come show some love to the panels because I'm hosting some panels and you can hear from my co-hosts how excited they are about it. (laughs) I'm just glad I'm sitting down. They're related. They're related. Vince, you know what you know what panel we're gonna be ta- we're gonna be doing on Friday? What's that? Fabian Nicias and Terry Dodson. That's nice. That is nice. It's, it's pretty hot. You know what panel we're gonna be doing on Saturday? That would be the OA panel. Correct. The original art panel, moderated by yours truly. Panelists, Mr. Felix Liu of Felix Comic Art. Renowned collector, Mr. Jeffrey Singh. Dr. Jeffrey Singh, I should say. And collector and phenomenal artist, one of our favorites, Mr. Daniel Warren Johnson. And then Vince, you know what panel we're going to be doing on Sunday? No, I've drawn a blank. A merchandising panel, but listen to the guests. Who this? There's a scrub named Jason Wood that's moderating it. But we got Rico Renzi. Who's Mr. Heroes himself? Dude pretty much runs the show. We got Jim Mafood. Nice. We got Andrew McLean. You gonna have them vinyls? Yes, and we got Miss Sarah Dyer. And we are gonna be talking about merchandising at the Yin Yang. I'm there. I know you're gonna be there. I want the blue one. We want our we want our listeners to be there though. So heroesonline.com is the website if you weren't already aware. Uh, they have not put the schedule up on the site yet. I know from from the, the on the back end they have scheduled everything. Um, I believe the Friday panel is at um, I believe two thirty, but again, don't hold me to that because it's not official. But that's what I think. I believe the 
Uh, OA panel is at 11.30 on Saturday morning. And Sunday, I believe the panel is around noon. But again, once we get the official word, by, by next episode that we do right before the show, we'll have the official times and locations. But uh, check those out for sure. Yes. And then um, in your travels on the reading tip, there's a, a shout out to Lowe because we didn't talk about it that much on uh, the interview this uh, today with Rick. Um, but three arcs are in the bag through, through issue 18. We have seen um, our, I guess you would call her matriarch. Uh, make her quest to the to the surface. Uh, for, for those that don't know, the story is, is essentially uh, humanity has been driven into the deepest recesses of the ocean some ten thousand years ago because of uh, global warming and all that good stuff. And uh, you know, over ten thousand years, a lot has changed, and humanity's essentially been dying out very slowly, running out of air, running out of resources. Uh, one of the leaders of the three remaining pockets of civilization uh, is killed. Uh, uh, the, his, his wife, the matriarch, she she gets word of a beacon. They had sent out beacons many, many moons ago all across the universe to try and find inhabitable land. One of the beacons that's made its way back to Earth after all these years. So she decides that she's going to go up and try and get the beacon and see if it can save humanity. Uh, but, uh, in the course of it, she also is reunited with her two daughters who were taken from her many, many moons ago by a pirate raid. And it, this is really a story of each of these women's journey in this fucked up undersea post-apocalyptic world. Uh, I love post-apocalyptic stories. Uh, as we talked about on the show, Tokini's art is just ridiculously jaw dropping, um, it would it would it would be perfectly fitting in one of those European graphic novels like Vince talked about sure. from the eighties. It, it would have been, it would have fit perfectly in in Metal Hurlant or, or Heavy Metal. Uh, and uh, yeah, like I said, the issue eighteen just came out. It finishes up the the third arc. Uh, I don't want to give away what happens, but uh, this is a, a book that you uh, you should be you should be catching up on if you haven't. And I would definitely start with uh, the first trade. There are three trades out, but. Uh, but I really do love this book, and I don't know if I, I don't know why, but I feel like this is of of the four he's doing on a regular basis. I feel like this one gets the least attention, and uh, that's yeah. unfair. It is. I don't know who's tapping their fingers or hitting the. Uh, no, it's oh, not that me. Might have been me. Sorry, that is weird. Sorry, okay. I think I was, I was tapping the USB port in the back of my of my Yeti. Oh, okay. Mob bust. Why? <laughs> nervous, nervous energy, bro. Okay, you, you got them all. I'm a week away all. from seeing you. I'm excited. I can't contain it. I thought we lost you there for like ten minutes. I'm really looking forward to it, big time. Oh, show. Honestly, I'm not just saying. Oh, not just glad. Is off. It's gonna be I don't know about that, but okay. We're gonna. <laughs> We're gonna hang out, Vince. Get some ribs. I just want Hell, some shrimp. Some you bring me some shrimp. We're gonna have some shrimp. Yeah, We're gonna have some cornbread. We're gonna have some collards. Cornbread. Oh, yes. I love the cornbread. Okay. Oh, cornbread so okay. Much. Hush puppies. Mm-hmm. That's nasty. What? 
All right, everybody. Hey, thank you for being here with us once again. We really appreciate it, and we want you to come back next week because you know the drill. Mr. Price is going to get all salty, and he's not a pretzel. Say good night. David. Ooh. Good night. That's easy. David, yeah, because you didn't do any little, you know. I No, I didn't. I I just went in clean this week. You did. Nice and clean. Yeah. Like it. Like it a lot. You're beautiful. Love you so much. Be back here next week with us or else. Because we'll be talking up heroes next week and all our plans and shit. Hails to the year. Right. Hail to the (laughs) na-na. We were playing that in the office today. It was great. Nice. Uh, man. So, yes, enjoy your second episode of the week, folks. And many more. Every week. That, well, <laughs> yes. That, <laughs> any more episode every week. Bye. Love you. Be back. See ya. Yeah.